0: Hello and welcome back to another main quest episode. Man, this is our hey, if you can't tell, I'm already having a little fun because this wasn't the first time I just recorded this. (laughs) But yeah, welcome back to the main quest podcast. This is the podcast of the year edition of the program because we are revisiting. Some of the greatest hits of the show all summer long. And that is, of course, all made possible because you guys are just that fucking awesome. And I really appreciate you guys tuning in every week to make this thing what it is. And because my monologue on the previous episode ran a little bit longer than I had anticipated. Let's just jump into these patron shoutouts and these... Uh, People, of course, go above and beyond uh, to make the podcast exactly what it is. And if you would like to go above and beyond and support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the main quest and just throw a dollar my way. That's really all I am asking for. And in return, all summer long, you're going to get a ton of Of extra bonus content. You're going to get an In the Flash episode on Zero Race. You're going to get an episode on Resident Evil Zero. Hell, you're going to get last month's episodes on Star Fox. The entire franchise. I talk about the entire franchise with Chris from a novel console. And you're even going to get the inaugural episode of In the Flash. Which was a Fry Osama bin Laden... A problematic episode, because <laughs> it's a fucking problematic game. So, who are these patrons? Who are these very special people here? Well, we've got Eric Guess, Zero Sam, Kayla Jackson, Chris from a novel console. Hey, thanks, Chris. Ryan Player One, Van Fernal, Chris Coplin, Hank Parker. Pro Bass Fisher, of course, Poppy the Masked Keaton, Dave Jackson, and Ashton. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate your patronage. It goes a long way. Uh, you guys have no idea how much it stuff means to me. But as for today's episode, it is a re-airing. Also, hey, just mentioned this man, Eric Guess. He helped me put this episode together. On Hades, which first originally aired on November 18th, 2021. And at the top of the episode, I am just here to say with a heavy heart, hat in hand. That is, as long as I have owned a merch shop, uh, there are still no main quest body pillows. By the way, you're probably wondering, like, hey, are there going to be any ads in the episodes? No, I have not inserted any of the ads. In fact, I am moving away from Redbubble, uh, because they have some bullshit practices. They're taking my money. (laughs) If you really want to support the show, you can really support it on Patreon because most of that cash is coming to me. So I'm kind of shopping around for better merch rates at this point, because Redbubble ain't doing it. And so, yeah, a couple other things, having revisited this episode, uh, the Houston Astros, still a really shitty MLB team, and this was also the first time, it might be the only time, that the guest did the intro or did the segue for the topic of the episode. I mean, I always I always have a lot of fun when I have Eric on or when I'm on his show or uh, when we're just working on projects together in general. Like, we've done a lot throughout both of our podcast careers, I think we can call them careers at this point, right? Uh, We've done a lot of stuff together and um, who knows, I don't know, maybe I would have lost the drive to do this uh, if it wasn't for somebody like him. Dude's fucking awesome. And since then, Hades 2 has been announced. As some of you might know, I'm not crazy about sequels. That is something I cannot be sold on. Um, I would rather have something new, some new IP come out especially from such a young developer. Uh, But money talks, right? And soon Supergiant will be a lifeless corporate husk, just like the rest of them. And as I revisited this episode for for myself, for this monologue, it, it was kind of a shock to the system, listening to it, knowing that I have all this time, after all this time, have retained the structure of the podcast, but am using it to talk about a more modern game, a very, at the time, a very recent release, right? And it was, you know, one of the last times that I did this. And it's interesting because when I talk about retro games and I talk about these very old games, I do the research and I talk about the history and the stuff at the top of the show to give context in regards of how the game came to be what it was like playing this thing at the time of its release and though the research I did on Hades was very good and I'm very proud of it I do genuinely think it is interesting it does seem a bit redundant when it's such a new game and is as good as it is but hey I don't know maybe maybe that's just me i'll let you guys be the judge. I hope you guys love this podcast of the year edition. It sounds stupid every time. Of Hades. Welcome back to another, uh, side quest episode, right here on the main quest podcast, (laughs) As always, I am your host, Keith. If this is your first episode, welcome. Simply put, this is a podcast where I play the entire catalog of games that I played as a child. And I make an attempt to reevaluate them and try to give some meaning to my life. But today, it's a side quest episode, meaning that these episodes specifically are dedicated to games that were pretty much just out of reach until now, or maybe it's just something I want to talk about that isn't 35 years old. I've been told recently that there are well over 80 episodes in the backlog, so if you're a first-time listener, you got a lot of stuff to keep you busy. Uh Also, I have merch, and uh, I don't know, by the time this episode is out, Christmas is almost here. Or whatever you might celebrate. Holidays are upon us. Uh, nothing like telling your loved ones how you feel about them by, um, shoving a couple of not recommend stickers in their, in their box or cards. Uh, links to my Redbubble page are in the show notes. Redbubble.com is the only place, the only place to get official main quest podcast merch. Now, enough of all the corporate shilling capitalism bullshit because I have a feeling this might be a longer episode. I'm lucky enough to once again be joined by a very talented podcaster. You might have heard of him before, especially if you've read the title of this episode. So my good friend Eric from the SideQuesting Podcast. What's up, dude? Welcome aboard once again. Keith, what is going on, man? Thank you so much uh,
1: for having me on. It's Absolute delight. I know last time I was on, we were kind of talking about just some random, uh, random topics, but, uh, I'm excited to actually be on for a game. Uh, I just had a couple of things. First of all, I'm waiting for your merch store to be updated with the full body pillow, the Keith body pillow with with you, with you, like printed on it so that I can purchase that. And, you know, Maybe not be so cold this winter. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked to be here. You know, we have, you're literally like the first person when I started doing the podcast that reached out to me. It was like, Hey, man, like I listened to your show. And I was like, Oh, I didn't think anybody would listen to that carpet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is super awesome. And of course I won't spoil what we're going to talk about today.
0: Yeah, that's is, always it's always so weird because people already know what they clicked on. I know. right. I, I want to build the dramatic <laughs> tension. So I know. It's, yeah. Sometimes it's just like as a podcaster, like, do I just keep on putting up the facade is like, oh, I don't know what we're talking about today. <laughs> it's going to be a surprise. Even I don't know. <laughs> it's not like this doesn't come up on like some random playlist or something. And like, right. Also, it's a different podcast. Like, so, know, yeah, we, we might talk about kingdom hearts who knows stop because we don't need to do that otherwise this podcast will
1: be three hours long because i can't help <laughs> myself oh, there it is burnt. finally is <laughs> man that
0: one was soon in there for a while yeah it was pretty disappointing <laughs> yeah, so have you ever because you brought up the bo- the body pillow concept right <laughs> have you ever just sat there and like wondered as a podcaster What people are possibly doing while they're listening to your show?
1: Uh, I actually have thought about it. Yes. A hundred percent, because I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest. Like when your episodes come out Monday morning or Sunday evening, whenever yours go live, normally my morning routine consists of I turn on your show and then I hop in the shower. (laughs) So, so most of the times I'm like, I'm listening to your show, not clothed at all. (laughs) So. And i am one step away from the body pillow, man. There you go. So, so yeah, so I've definitely thought about that before. I was like, I wonder what people are doing while listening to my show because I have people's shows on all the time if I'm walking the dogs or cutting the grass or, you know, getting dinner ready. So I, I kind of wonder what people, people do listening to my show as well. So
0: Yeah, because I, I do, I mean, I'm the same boat, like I'll be getting ready for work or whatever. I'll have my phone in the bathroom or something, just kind of have it propped up so it's a little louder. And I'm listening to podcasts, so it's like I'm basically showering with whoever I'm listening to, essentially. It's, it's they like don't they're even right know there with it. you. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's totally not a weird thing at all. It's totally natural. <laughs> it's it's fine if you drop the soap, you know, because their episodes are recorded days ago. So it's like they're there with you, but they're not, you know. It's a good thing my soap is like jealous
1: in a bottle then so (laughs) i don't have to worry about that unless i drop the whole thing and then it sounds like i've
0: just fallen broken my neck so so if i do come out with a body pillow and people listen to my dulcet tones while they fall asleep i mean it's pretty much like having me it's like i'm telling you a bedtime story it's just whispering sweet nothings in my ear obviously (laughs) and then i blast the cheats theme right in your ear that would be
1: the, the point where i'm like kind of falling asleep and like i'm just about to hit the cusp of whatever the stage of sleep you're supposed to go into, REM sleep or whatever. And mm-hmm. then I hear Joe Buck make that terrible Astros call and it kinda jolts me back to reality. And I say, Oh yeah, the Astros are still ginormous cheaters. <laughs> so- Speaking of the Astros, <laughs>
0: guess who's going to the World Series?
1: Oh, did that happen? I kinda stopped caring about baseball after the, <laughs> the I mean, socks like, lost. So. I mean, I yeah. But also fuck the Astros. Yes, this is a uh, anti-cheaters podcast, you could say unless we're specifically talking about cheats that we might have used yes in that case it's a pro cheat, <laughs> but yeah fuck the astros <laughs> hey it's 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 all part of the it's just the adventure right it's not the it's not the what's that it's not the destination it's the journey they say right so i mean and
0: the journey's killing me <laughs> speaking of journeys i could possibly kill you you want to talk about the game we played today oh uh yeah man that brilliant segue by
1: the way so Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, today, Keith, we played Hades. I never liked rogue likes. Lights like I don't know what the difference is. It's one of
0: those. I two. I would say the wiki. I, I the, all the wikis are correct, right? Like nobody would argue that those are incorrect, right? Wik- Wikipedia got me through college, so I'm gonna have to say yes. The Hades wiki specifically mentions that Hades is a rogue like like. Okay, so I'm going with rogue like. Okay,
1: that's that's fair. So I never really was able to get into that genre before. It just it didn't appeal to me. I just I hated the concept of. Every time I died, having to like start over that that didn't make a lot of sense to me because, you know, I've been been a guy that's played a lot of RPGs for my whole life. And it's like, oh, I can save the game. I don't have to start over. That's that's stupid. But when Hades came out and it was getting all this buzz and I decided to pick it up, it just it just kind of clicked because it was just so like it was so well it's so well done. It was my game of the year last year just because it you know it controlled great it had great voice acting the characters the gameplay and it never really felt like you were starting over when you died because you were the game was always giving you a little bit more every time that you died it gave you uh, opportunities to purchase a little bit more powerful upgrades it gave you a little more breadcrumbs of the story so it really just clicked and it made me appreciate a genre that until last year I just I didn't really care about I didn't play what are some of the other ones like Spelunky? I didn't play Binding of Isaac. Uh Enter the Gungeon I tried to play. I just didn't really enjoy it that much. So okay. Hades really brought me into the, the roguelike series. And now I've been on the lookout for, for more to, to try from that genre.
0: So you weren't really on board
1: with Hades at first, right? Well, when it came out, I just kind of. Like I saw it came out because I try to keep my finger on the the pulse of the industry and what's like coming and and going at any given time and I I was on the radar and I'd seen gameplay of it and stuff and I didn't really you know I kind of just didn't really think anything of it but then when the hype train around it started getting going uh, I just I was like all right I'm gonna take choo this choo. <laughs> dude it gets <laughs> you every go, time once the hype train pulls into the station you're you're fucked you can't you can't get away. And then I just picked it up and it was just it it has that I call it the civilization effect where you just it's one more turn. You know, every run you do, it's like, oh, I want to do one more run, one more run. OK, one more run. And next thing you know, it's like four a.m. in the morning and you haven't slept. And that's the hallmark of a great game. So, yeah, that and it's just again, it was my game of the year last year over a lot of games, especially like Last of Us Part Two, um, which was a well done game. But this this made me care so much about a genre that I didn't really care about. And sure, that's important when considering like a game of the year type status of a game is the same reason I love God of War so much. It took characters and a story and things that I didn't really care about and made me care about them a lot. So, mm. yeah, that's and I like I've been, been playing it ever since put it down for a little while when stuff came out, but picked it up. And it's just something you can pick up, even if you haven't played for a couple months, something you can pick up and just do a couple runs. And, you know, it's it's fantastic.
0: Right. Uh, My history is more or less the same. I mean, there's not much to say about a game that's this relatively new. I mean, technically, it released last year. The full release 1.0 came out in um, September, and it's been in early access since 2018, which is something I was aware of. But More or less leading up to the release and then the subsequent release, I was just kind of like, I don't know. I don't think this is going to be something I'm into. And I was familiar with roguelikes up to that point. I played Dead Cells. Um, ah, fuck, what's that other game called? Sundered. I've played, yeah, yeah. Okay. Was really into Sundered as well. Played a little bit of Spelunky. I was never really that good at it. And plus on top of that, the other thing that kind of kept me away from it was that it dealt with the Greek pantheon of gods and that type of mythology. And I thought like, eh, this, this kind of stuff is a little overplayed. Like it kind of has been since like the mid aughts really, since basically since God of war brought it to the forefront. Um, And then I heard that it was a roguelike and I was like, well, let me at least check out a trailer. You know, (laughs) I looked at the trailer and that really didn't help me either because I was like, this kind of looks like a mobile game. It looks a little on the cheap end. And then I just pretty much told myself that it's it's not going to be a game that I'm going to buy. And I kind of just dismissed it. And then a few weeks passed and now we're into like October, probably late October, probably right around this time last year. And um people were still talking about this game and it was getting talked up as like one of the games of the year. And I went on the Switch eShop, saw that it was on sale for $15 and I'm like, what do I have to lose? If I don't like it, no harm, no foul. I mean, we're going to talk about it, but I was really, really, really surprised. And it was nothing of what I had expected this game to be. You know, the trailers and the marketing and stuff really did nothing to help this game because there was very little. It was all very much word of mouth, just a lot of different people talking about it. And like you said, like it, well, at least it was up for a lot of Game of the Year awards. And. I think it still kind of failed to reach like a general audience because it did win a lot of awards, but not enough to really like clean sweep, like especially in some of the big names that it was involved with, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later when we talk about the history of the game. I should say not that like game awards actually matter all that much.
1: <laughs> yeah, when there's a game a, a game box and on the on the cover on the cover, art it says one over f- 300 game of the year awards it's like well why are 300 people giving out game of the year awards like does it really even matter then
0: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and it's like people get so and a lot of people who really like this game got super deeply upset that this game didn't win a lot of the awards that it was nominated for it's just like don't worry about it, man. Like Jeff Keighley's not taking away your video games. Like you could still enjoy Hades, like whether or not it wins awards or not, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I just think it was the general consensus that people felt like finally this game that, and and I'm not, it's, it's difficult to compare a high profile game. Like I just, I'm just gonna keep going back to this example, like the last of us Two that has Mm -hmm. a giant studio and giant budget behind it to a game like this, where it's a smaller studio with a smaller budget that they basically developed it alongside early access and had people play test it for them and fine tune it. Right. And I, I think a lot of the, like you said, a lot of that reaction just came from that people really wanted like this game to be proof that, Hey, like you don't need a giant budget. You don't need, blockbuster graphics or anything like that to have a game that's really good. Like you can do most runs of this game in about, you know, 25 to 30 minutes for an average player. Um, Speed running people are a different level entirely. And but the game has so much replay value. It's just like, hey, like this game is basically the same thing. 25, 30 minutes over and over and over again. But you can keep playing and not get bored as opposed to like it's some kind of cinematic adventure like The Last of Us 2. And that's kind of that's kind of where I
0: came in with my feelings about the game. So it's actually a really good segue into the history, actual development history of the game, because Supergiant thrived and was created on the basis that a small game can pack a huge punch. It doesn't need like. What's the word I'm looking for, man? I, I pretty much call it
1: the Sony effect. This doesn't got to be what Sony has put all their eggs in. It's just this and I'm not bashing Sony by any means, but this giant like blockbuster like event type game right. but it doesn't have to be that
0: 80s is a roguelike, so I'm told, game developed and published by Supergiant Games. It was directed by Greg Kasavin, designed by a decently large team that was led by Amir Rao, as well as another sizable crew of programmers led by Gavin Simon. I feel like I want to spotlight the artists and illustrators of the game because some of the style of the game is pretty important. It's a very detailed game. We'll talk about it. When we get to graphics, but, um, and not that the designers and programmers, by the way, aren't as important, you know? Um, but the visual style here is pretty good. So the artists are Jan Z, Joanne Tran, and Paige Carter. And then, of course, we have Darren Korb, whose music I've actually played before on one of the music episodes. Um, he composed the soundtrack. And Korb also did many of the voices that you hear in the game, including the main character, Zagreus. So Supergiant themselves haven't been along very, very long, just about over 10 years. They're out of San Francisco and were formed by Casavin, Rao, and Simon in the hopes that they can bring a nostalgia factor to their games with that hint of creativity. All of them were actually former EA employees. <laughs> And though, like through some of the interviews that I've read, Kassavan has like remained pretty professional in the way that he talks about his time spent with EA. He's more or less alluded to the fact that it was pretty much draining any kind of inspiration from him and his colleagues as far as making video games go. And so it was around that time. That's when Kassavan started taking notice of smaller projects that were getting off the ground and spotlighted on the 360 Marketplace. Stuff like stuff like Spelunky, Braid, Castle Crashers, and they were doing very those games are doing very well for themselves and their respective developers on the limited budget that they had. The limit the, the skeleton crew that they had as well. And so feeling like EA was just like a dead end. Uh three developers thought making their own games would allow them to hone their skills and create basically a labor of love. It was really interesting to see the marketing process of all of the stuff in the like that very early three sixty area that that stuff is so interesting because up until then there was like this there's only those block but every game had to be a blockbuster game it had to be this big triple a you know, extravaganza and every game had to be worked on by like 100 plus people. That was really the direction the industry was
1: going at that time. I mean, 2009 is you're only a couple of years removed from the launch of the 360. You know, you've got games like Gears of War 1 and 2, which like that were these huge blockbuster titles. You know, you got your halos, um, you know, all that stuff that we saw that industry shift towards, you know, during the I'd say probably the later end of like the PS2 GameCube, that whole era. And so, yeah, the and I credit the Xbox Live Arcade being one of the reasons that the 360 was so so successful, because, yeah, you really did have all of these ginormous games coming out. You know, that was the advent of, you know, Assassin's Creed starting around that time. And all these uh, you had your Call of Duties was just getting off the ground with Call of Duty four and all that stuff. So you did have all the, pretty much the start of all of these giant franchises that are pretty relevant today. And then along comes the Xbox live arcade. And like you hit the nail on the head, they have games like castle crashers, which is to this day, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, you know, they got another games like limbo and, uh, alien hominid and all that stuff. It's so that, that yeah. was th- that back then you're just like, Whoa, like, like what is this? Like all these smaller games can be really good. Like nobody had ever really seen anything like that before. hmm. So and that was interesting to see that, you know, those guys that left EA and I had the Wikipedia page open, they were, you know, they were working on the Command and Conquer series, which by the time Command and Conquer was over with, had become like the epitome of like the EA meat grinder. It's just like this franchise that kept going on and on and on because it kept making money. But right. They didn't really know what to do with it. So that must have been a breath of fresh air for those guys to, you know, especially, you know, EA.
0: They're really (laughs) taking a chance on themselves from probably having like a a decently good spot making video games, you know, to basically starting from nothing and hoping that their games can pick up traction in a relatively new market. Right. And not that, you know, we give EA a lot of shit, but
1: obviously EA employs people and people get a paycheck from them. And, you know, that's great. So, yeah, you go from having a relatively steady paycheck to you know, taking a chance on something that you don't know is going to be successful because, you know, the the games that EA works on are obviously always going to sell. That's why they make FIFA and Madden and all this stuff every year, because it's you're going to have a steady paycheck. But man, it, it takes a lot to want to. I mean, I guess I like can understand too. like being a somewhat creative type. It's like you want to work on something else. You don't just want to like, oh, we're doing Command and Conquer again. Oh, we're putting out the same FIFA again every year after year after year. It's that that's got to be kind of mentally exhausting after a while to just be stuck doing the same thing so i think
0: and i think earlier what i was trying to say is that they were trying to just really create games that had their own signature style they're something that they could really show off and be like all right yeah we've made worked on games with ea and stuff like that but this is ours this is our voice Mm -hmm. this is what you're gonna get and it's something that's probably very creatively fulfilling so fast forward a little bit the first game that they made was bastion and by the end of 2011 super giant would grow a little bit more and begin working on their second game which was transistor and in 2014 would begin working on their most ambitious game to date pyre all of these games i've heard of are you familiar with them yeah, so I've seen Bastion played. I've never played it myself. Um
1: and to my understanding at the time, uh that game uh, as well was considered game of the year from from that game from that I think it was 2009 that game, 2000, out, right? Yeah, that's, the, 2011. that's a, yeah. That's the only one that I'm familiar with. So yeah, uh I have played Transistor that was a while ago. That was another incredible game and I know Pyre was very well received as well. So, uh really the only ones I have super extensive uh, experience with is Transistor and Hades, but from like what I've read, each game that they've put out has been, you know, really, really well received, and I might argue better than anything EA has put out in the last ten years. <laughs> Maybe I, I personally think so.
0: um You know, well, e- Jedi Fall in Order probably put them on a higher shelf recently, but
2: and they've been. I yeah, would still Fallers rather play for-
0: Hades than Fall in Order, though. Uh,
1: same. And, but man, not to make this about EA, but they just had way too many missteps lately. Like, oh God, I got back in the mid 2015s. I was the, uh, the destiny kid, you know, I was playing Destiny. I, I sunk maybe four or 500 hours into destiny. And so EA roped me in with Anthem and, you know, they got $60 for me on Anthem because it looks, (laughs) it looks, I was like, oh yeah, this looks freaking really cool. And man, I got burned bad on, on that one. It was, I mean, and that game had two really cool things. It had the movement down and like the, the world. It was really fun to explore and fly around in. But other than that, that game was, uh, was a trainer. Fucking trash. Yeah. It, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was complete <laughs> trash. It was bad. <laughs> like, yeah, I would say that, yeah, Supergiant Games has put out four, four, um, every single one of their games has been an absolutely like just amazing quality title. And that's not something that a lot of other like developers can,
0: can say. All three of their games leading up to Hades have had like a very consistent art style. Like, you know, it's a super giant game. Same with the voice acting, like all of their games have had voice acting in it and every game it's just gotten better. And then, yeah, just looking at Transistor Empire, I feel like I'm. I'd be more on board with Pyre than Transistor.
1: Mm. But um, I enjoyed Transistor for what it was. And that was honestly one of the first things I thought of when I saw Hades. I was like, I, I knew immediately who made this game because I'm like, oh, yeah, like this this looks and feels like Transistor. Like It's the same isometric, you know, 3D art view that you're right. At first, when you just if you're just glancing at it, it kind of looks like a mobile game. But when you start to look at it, it's there's really a lot of detail in that isometric view, despite the character models being
0: relatively small on the screen. So yeah, and all that DNA and stuff like that, like, Cassavin basically just wanted to take all three of those games and kind of morph them into something much bigger. He wanted something with kind of that similar, similar art style, very fast-paced, tons of narrative, world-building, all that stuff. And on top of that, tons of replayability. So again, I mentioned that Hades was in early access in uh, December of 2018, which since this is probably the first time I've ever mentioned early access on my podcast, it just basically means that a very rough build of the game was available to play early. Uh, So like not all of the content is in the game, but there's enough there to basically call it a game. It's uh, essentially like a starting foundation, right? That might not sound that great, but it's, actually not a very unusual thing especially for smaller developers to do to not only gain like a bit of monetization while they're still making the game but also to help build goodwill with the context that there will be a better game in the future that the community the community that's playing the game will help better make the game come to fruition through their feedback i think what everything is said and done supergiant pretty much did that and they did that through a steady flow of updates for like two years straight i'm going to kind of burst through some of my notes here but i mean there's there's a very good and insanely long like six hours worth of footage of the development process of hades um that was filmed by noclip um i certainly didn't have time to watch it (laughs) um i jumped around here and there i'll talk a little bit more about it when i hit the music section because i mainly just wanted to see with the documentary process on, on the music and stuff like that. But um, uh, there's also a, a little bit of, because obviously this game was still being developed during the pandemic, right? And so it's very interesting that this is probably, I mean, I just did Returnal, but there's really nothing that I could dig up about uh, what Mark had to go through during the pandemic or anything. But the things that Supergiant had to go through during the pandemic were, are on film. You know, so it's a very interesting little bit of insight to see what was happening with them when the pandemic hit. I completely forgot that their office got ransacked during the um, the rioting, the George, the George Floyd rioting and stuff like that. I forgot that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Just all the stuff that Darren Corbett actually had to go through to get the music out, get the music done without a studio, essentially. Obviously, we're still like dealing with the outcomes of the pandemic but it's still very haunting i guess to see stuff like that it's super interesting De- definitely go check it. it's all on youtube it's divided by six part super interesting stuff Supergiant had been building their game on c sharp and hades was actually programmed that way like super early in the stages um, but was moved to a completely new engine so that they could output it to native c so that it could easily be ported to different consoles Fast forward to May, uh, Nintendo came to them with a big old fat paycheck. and was like, hey, (laughs) we want your game on the Switch. And so at that time, that pretty much put Supergiant into high gear because they had to get out the final version 1.0 by September of 2020. So by the end of 2020, Hades has been nominated for over 40 categories in various different awards, and that doesn't even include game of the year. Hades was also the first Supergiant game to be nominated for Game of the Year at the Game Awards alongside uh, stuff like Animal Crossing New Horizons, uh, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, <laughs> and The Last of Us Part Two. You II. threw up a little bit in your mouth when you read that, didn't you? Just a little bit. That was that <laughs> silent burp or something. Um, and The Last of Us Two pretty much took, took that award, swept many of the awards that year. Man, that's a hell of a game of the year list, man. I, 20, 2020 was a shit year for video games. Really, How those games shouldn't even be there? Why is Animal Crossing New Horizons... That shouldn't even be considered for game of the year. Listen, I have my
1: own qualms against Animal Crossing New Horizon, And, uh, you know, Tom Tom Nook is my immortal enemy and the face of everything that is wrong with capitalism. But I I think... That game really had timing on its side. Okay,
0: not to go on like a tangent. Like, I mean, that's it. I mean, we were just talking about the pandemic. I mean, Dude, that's, that's Animal the Crossing only came reason out. why it would be considered for Game of the Years because it was just nobody had anything was, else to
1: play. It was comfort food, man. It was like we, we were all so scared. Like nobody knew what was going to happen. We didn't know if this virus was just going to come and like kill us all like the Black Plague. But like for whatever reason, Animal Crossing New Horizon came out and everybody just it, it was just comfort for, for whatever reason, you know. Becoming perpetually in debt to a tiny raccoon for some reason
0: gave us all some semblance of normalcy in our lives. Could you imagine catching COVID and dying from COVID and the last thing you played was Animal Crossing? <laughs> I should cut that out. I mean, I
1: it's just it's that that's really a loss for Tom Nook because he's never going to get his money back. So, I mean. It's really Listen, a bad business deal on his end.
0: I get it. I know Animal Crossing is insanely popular. I still don't know what it's doing on a game of the year list, though. But really kind of the way you summed it up really puts that in perspective as to why
1: Hades is all the more impressive last year. Because, yeah, like you said, their offices were ransacked and pretty much they were trying to struggle to finish this game with everybody working from home. But, you know, we can talk shit about Nintendo all we want. When Nintendo shows up with that Nintendo money, it's like... What choice do you have, right? It's like you got to you got to take that Nintendo money for financial security. And I and I don't I definitely don't right. fault them for that. No, so not at all. For everything that this game went through, just for it to come out the way it did. And I think this is one of the shiny examples of where early access I, I kind of have a weird love, hate relationship with early access. Sometimes people are just trying to get your money and they just have like a really crappy product and they never finish it but they got your money. But I think this is a case where early access was really used to its fullest effect because they were basically fine tuning the final product of the game while people were playing it and using that player feedback. Because when Hades launched it felt really I mean I'm sure I'll get into this the gameplay. It, It was super balanced and just really well polished. So yeah. My cousin and I, this is a funny story actually. This is a hipster story actually. So my cousin and I actually did An early access one time, we got burned one time, and it was the early access for Fortnite in its original state. And I don't know how many people know this because before Fortnite was like a dancing meme factory ultimate crossover machine that just prints money, Uh, it was actually a game where you build structures and fight waves of zombies. So it was called like Fortnite Save the World. And the original concept of the game was actually really cool because you could like build elaborate traps and like hallways for the zombies to go through to help you like funnel them and defeat them. Like it was actually a pretty cool concept for a game. And then, of course, whoever at Epic thought to make it a battle royale obviously makes all the money now. So, you know. Yeah. Hades is
0: the best. It's it's the golden child of how well early access can work for something. Mm hmm. Yeah, so Hades was officially released worldwide September 17th, 2020 for the Nintendo Switch and PC. Since then, it has been ported to the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and the Xbox Series X and S. Did you originally get it on Switch? I did. I I, I bought the game twice. Uh, I bought it recently when it came to the PS5, and that's the version I actually played for the show. There are cross-save capabilities built into the game. But I basically just wanted to play the entire thing from a fresh start. And mm-hmm. uh, Hades is definitely one of those games that I thought was well worth the money. Uh, I assume that's the one you have. Yeah, I played it on the Switch and I, I'm like you. I picked
1: it up when it was it was like one of those like right after holiday sales. Yeah. I think I, I was when I picked it up. So um, but yeah, I, when it was coming out, especially um, on PlayStation, I was like, oh, I should pick this up for PS5 because this looks
0: at the time. I, I didn't really notice any performance issues on the Switch, but playing it on the ps5 i mean not only does it load extremely fast but it visually just looks much much better i don't think i'll go back to the switch version unfortunately even though that's the one that i have more stuff unlocked in but i'll get there with the ps5 definitely at this
1: i love the switch personally just because it's enabled me to keep gaming during this busy period of my life Mm -hmm. but the one well, nobody thing, has a PS5 anyway, so. That, that's also true. <laughs> but the one thing about, and this isn't a problem with Hades on the Switch, this is a problem with the Switch hardware itself is, you know, Hades is a game that requires a lot of precision and precise movement, and the fucking goddamn Joy-Con drift. It, it, I've bought like three pairs of joy cons and every single one of them has drifted. So it's really annoying when you want to like dash a certain way. And then Zagreus just starts slowly drifting this way into the way you didn't uh, want to go. Oh, that, That's, yeah, that sucks. It sucks really bad.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't ever play my switch anymore. It's very rare. Well, I'm playing eastward still, it's, but it, it's stupid. I, like,
1: why are we having this problem? Like the, like the N64 controller was more responsive and didn't have drift. Stupid.
0: It's okay, Eric. You can buy a brand new Switch for three hundred dollars, and it has a shiny new screen, but the exact same hardware. Whatever. <laughs> Nintendo has enough of my money. <laughs> uh, Hades is also currently available on Game Pass. Uh, if it's not something you want to fully commit to, but I think um, hopefully maybe Eric and I can persuade you to donate a couple couple dollars to Super Giant's Way by the end of this episode. Review scores: it has an eight and a half on Game Informer. on Metacritic, Destructoid, gave it a 9 out of 10, 9 out of 10 on IGN, and a perfect 5 out of 5 on Giant Bomb. It was also my game of the year last year, and it was also Eric's game of the year last year, Mm -hmm. so it's pretty telling as far as what we're about to talk about here.
1: (laughs) It's worth a play, and that's why I tell people too that aren't sold, and I'm like, I wasn't sold on it either at first, but once you play it, like it's it really it speaks for itself. It really does.
0: Is very integral to the gameplay. The gameplay is integral to the story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you literally don't get to see what happens at the end of the story if you don't make it out of hell.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And my episode on Returnal will come out just before this. And so, Hades is kind of, kind of the same in that it's a roguelike. Mm-hmm. It's all about replaying the same sequence of chambers, more or less with some RNG thrown in to make the experience different every time. I will say, though, um, in regards to the gameplay, Hades has kind of a different approach than Returnal. I don't want to get like too much in the weeds between the differences of that stuff right now. Kind of talked about it on, on the Returnal episode. Um, the story, um, very convoluted. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just dense and um there's just so many characters each of them have their own thing happening i I think it's probably safe that just to like summarize the events that zagreus goes through so zagreus is the son of hades uh the interesting thing about the realm of hades itself is that it's just not your archetype of you know, torment and hellfire. Instead, it's just like this boring bureaucratic like waiting room that you sit in and wait until your soul is transferred to like any of the other areas in the realm uh, where basically you will reside for all eternity, you know, and the realm of Hades is made up of um, four different areas, Tartarus, Asphodel, Elysium and the Temple of Styx. Fuck the Temple of Styx. We're introduced second to Prince that. Zagreus. <laughs> What's that? It's the second time, yeah. yeah. Fuck Temple six. <laughs> uh, Prince Zagreus, heir to the underworld, uh, son of Hades and Nyx. In keeping faith with how fickle the beings of Greek mythology are, we're shown that in flashbacks that. The people that reside in the house of Hades have been basically spreading rumors about Zagreus and who his parents really are, where he comes from, uh, the fact that he bleeds mortal blood, the fact that his eyes are a little bit different from anybody else he's related to. And so Zagreus starts to do a little bit of digging around in the administrative chambers, his father's bedroom, even his father's work desk, and find some clues, but not really solid answers of who his real mother might be. So eventually he confronts Nyx about all of this stuff and she tells him the truth. And again, keeping a somewhat to Greek mythology, Persephone, who was the former queen of the underworld, is Zagreus' mother. And I, I did, because I, I would say I know a fair amount of Greek mythology, but I'd never heard of Zagreus before I started playing this game. And so I was looking up, kind of who he was or where he came from i actually thought that he was just a made-up character for this game but it turns out that he did exist in greek myth but his origin story is a little more fucked up than what super Gi- giant presents here
1: i was i was not i thought he was an original character i was not actually not aware of that oh no, yeah he's and a, he's y- your boy here has read all the percy jackson books so he knows a little bit about greek mythology <laughs> So, yeah, Zagreus I've never heard
0: is a yeah. He is a deep pole. That's a very deep hole. <laughs> but in Greek myth, Zeus and Persephone are Zagreus's parents. Oh, by way of Zeus taking the form of a giant snake, <sighs> who ended up fucking Persephone while he was a snake. Oh my god! Of Which course he would, because that all
1: That's literally every story about Zeus is he turns into some weird animal thing or whatever, and. <sighs> basically greek mythology is just a giant porno it's all it is bestiality run amok <laughs> yeah it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> i mean people think the stuff we have now is risque it's like man those those greeks were <laughs> it's been around for hundreds and hundreds yeah. of years they were coming up with stuff that we won't even put on camera now so <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah the the story Supergiant tells is a little more streamlined but yeah nix pretty much tells Zagreus that persephone is still alive and left the realm of Hades to live up top on the surface. And knowing this, and having a shit ton of other questions, which Nyx basically took a vow to Hades to not really answer any other questions, Zagreus makes a vow to leave the realm and get to the surface to meet his mother, which is the core basis of the gameplay. You escape from Hades. Except nobody is allowed to leave the realm, <laughs> including the prince. So Hades, the god Hades. I'm throwing around the word Hades a lot here. I realize this as I'm saying it. <laughs> the god Hades. Not not to be confused with the game Hades. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> or the realm of Hades. Right. <laughs> decides to put all of basically... Um, you know, the demons and wretches of the underworld and stuff to work in an attempt to stop Zagreus from leaving. And knowing that Zagreus would need help, Nyx informs the gods on Mount Olympus that they have a family member down in hell that is trying to escape to join them on Mount Olympus. And those dense but vengeful, dense but vengeful idiots (laughs) decide to help. And that's basically the story in a nutshell. You know, there, like I said, there's tons of characters in this game. Uh, in total, I counted 29. And all of them have an integral part in the story some way or another. Uh, most of them you can even date. And me specifically, I'm a simp for Meg.
2: You know exactly why I'm here. Now shut your mouth and come die like a man.
0: I'll just fully admit that right now. <laughs> I know there's a lot of Deusa people out there, but there's just something about Meg and that whip. I just do. Meg, she's a powerful woman. Like, I, I mean, I, I can, can understand up how Deusa can turn a man to stone. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> you know, I have to end this
1: episode here. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Oh,
2: so go I, ahead.
1: I think, I think just, this is a very different, like you said, you know a little bit about the greek myths and how what these gods and what these people are are like in these stories and just this take on it was really super interesting i when i picked up this game i honestly was not expecting like a family drama type story thrown into this and that was that was very is very interesting very compelling especially to the point of zagreus's relation with his parents you know his dad and his mom which shockingly one of the few times in video game history that a protagonist's parents are alive and not dead or killed in the first couple of scenes. Right. So to be able to just kind of see Zagreus's relationship with his father while he's trying to escape and as things come to light and and just kind of the the pains that this family has been through being here. And again about the gods on Olympus too, I'm I'm sure that they are genuine in their Attempts to try and help Zagreus escape but the feeling I got from playing the game is that it was more entertainment for them it was more entertaining to watch Zagreus trying to escape over and over and then like lend their help in the forms of their power especially for some yeah. of the more vain ones like uh you know, especially Dionysus, Dionysus. Who's a, yeah, yeah. was just like oh this is a great party this is entertaining whatever um but yeah, to have also like all these gods, like to have their own super specific personalities. And you kind of get the feeling as you talk to them more and more that they kind of all have their own motives too as to why they're helping them based on their personalities and what they represented in the pantheon. So it's just, it, this whole story was just like the gameplay is compelling, but the story by itself is compelling too, because the way the story gets unveiled to you through the gameplay is as you're making your runs through the realms of Hades to escape, Every time that you die and go back to the start, you go back to this this waiting room where you're waiting for your soul to be judged and assigned wherever. No, that's where you get more of the story. You talk to more of the characters like Achilles is the one there and you find out Achilles actually trained Zagreus to fight and help him escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get to talk to Nyx, who, you know, you confront her about her not being your actual mother and her keeping that from you. Um, You know, you get to talk to Meg, who's one of the bosses that you fight and just, there's different characters there that you always get to talk to. And of course my best boy Cerberus who can pet Cerberus, who's the best character in the game. Fucking love Cerberus, my boy. So yeah, just the way that was intertwined with this idea of a roguelike was just, I was shocked and so
0: blown away the first time that I I played it through. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that really drew me in was the fact that and just about every other game that has included, you know, a pantheon of gods from the Greek myth, they play them up as this otherworldly presence who cannot basically be fucked with. They're very vengeful, like, beings uh, with... They're basically, like, very almost stoic superheroes in a way, um, but much more than that. And the way that giant handles the Greek gods and all these characters It's just very down to earth and very relatable because it's just kind of like a family drama. Yeah, they do still have like that very big personality and stuff like that that you would kind of expect. But it's played down a little bit more and seems a little more realistic. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned Dionysus, and Dionysus is the type of guy that I can totally see just getting fucked up with a couple of the people <laughs> every Watching Zagreus that. on the TV and be like, All right, all right, bets. This is his fifteenth one. He's gonna make <laughs> exactly. it. What's, what's the over-under on this one? Like, you know, like just play some bets and stuff like that, like having a good time. And um, yeah, that that was definitely what just how they handle the characters and everything like that in the narrative of the story again. It's not a super I guess unique story or anything like that. It's just done very well. The writing is really, really good. I feel like for me, obviously the story is kind of a means a lot to me because that's again, if it was just your generic we are the Greek gods, we are all powerful, blah 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 blah, blah uh, this game kind of would have sucked for me, so I guess my question for you is uh, it is the story for you? Does that matter for you in? knowing now what hades is how it plays what the gameplay is like uh yeah the the story absolutely did matter because i
1: yeah i feel like if it feels just kind of like a generic like roguelike where you're making runs to try and complete something if it didn't have that meat behind it 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 would feel less i mean the gameplay itself is very enjoyable but i found my main motivating factor was i kept wanting to go back and figure out more of the story and find out more about these characters and it made every time that you die seem like less of a bummer is like oh well yeah i died and i didn't finish my run but i get to go back and find out more of what's going on because it's really like they breadcrumb it out every time you die it's like they reveal a little more and a little more and a little more Mm -hmm. and then eventually like when you do escape they like reveal a lot and it gets blown open and even the first time you escape that's not the end of the story there's there's more after it
0: yeah um spoiler alert and yeah let's 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 get that out of the way right now um from here on out Eric and I are just going to go full on spoilers. So here's your spoiler warning if you're this far in, because as soon as you're done saying what you're saying, I think we can just talk about the end of the game or unless you want to talk about it. You know, if you want to hear our final thoughts, I mean, I think you've pretty much heard it in our personal experiences. We very much think you should just go play this game. I think Eric would agree with me definitely and i think and the one really shining
1: part that for me too was i thought was great was the actual character of of hades himself because uh in more popular media and i think i think the most popular portrayal of pe- hades that people know is from disney's hercules played by you know james woods great character shitty person can't believe you're getting so worked up about some guy
2: this one is different he's honest and, and he's sweet Please. he would never do anything to hurt me he's a guy
1: but you know and in that film hades is portrayed as like this very evil like vindictive like he wants to overthrow olympus and he hates them and like this story portrays hades as that's not really the way he is and it also in like greek myth too he's not like an inherently like evil guy like he just he has the job to do. Like he's the Lord of the dead. That's just his job. He can't mm. help it that people hate him for that. And he kind of got screwed into that position because, you know, Zeus and Poseidon, his brothers kind of fucked him over by taking this guy in the sea, respectively.
0: Which even in the game, Zeus, as you talk to Zeus, he actually expresses regret over the fact that Hades has been just thrown into the underworld to just basically have this job. Right. And Hades very much feels like he, he dutifully
1: carries out. You always see him at that at that big desk in the waiting area writing and and, and doing his job very dutifully. And you get the sense by talking to him, you, f- you know, I feel like he feels like he's the only one that's actually doing the job that he was assigned to. And that all the other guys are just kind of like, you know, faffing about and doing doing whatever they're doing that he, even though he hates it, dutifully carries out his job and, you know, lives with the fact that he's going to be doing this for basically all, all time. Mm mm-hmm. So I, I, I just really like that aspect of it because, yeah, it's just, it, he can't help it that he's the Lord of the dead. And pe- obviously people don't like the idea of death or dying, but that's just what he got stuck with. And that's kind of, you know, he obviously is not the best father very clearly. But yeah, I just, that just made like a really compelling thing because he's not normally portrayed like that in, in most popular, popular media. So.
0: you said about when you reach the top the game doesn't end um because once you reach top side you meet Persephone Persephone the story only gets more complicated mm-hmm. Persephone's entire life you find out that she actually thought Zagreus was dead and then there, you also learn that Zagreus is just inexplicably inex inexp why can't I say that inexplicably <laughs> inexplicably thank you uh Deep, deeply tied to the underworld he can't leave the underworld it can only stay outside the boundaries of hell for only a few minutes before he dies and is brought back and then persephone's mom gets involved in the story deeply with demeter's storyline mm-hmm. and then there's like these whispers of this war between the gods and the realm of hades uh, All of this stuff is also relatively close to the story of the abduction of persephone in greek lore which is Mm. actually pretty fascinating and it's only when you escape for the the 10th time in the game that Zagreus is actually convinced persephone to return to the underworld with him and return to her position as queen of the underworld and everything's more or less kind of set back to normal but then even then the story doesn't end credits Mm -hmm. roll you you officially pretty much get an ending, but the story doesn't end. And I'd never have gotten this far. i never gotten further than this, I should say. I don't know about you, because I can't really speak to the rest of the game. I did look it up. Um, I have notes on here written down. Do you know anything about, you know, what happens further?
1: Not terribly much. And, and that just speaks to the depth of this game, because I, I feel like I put in like 50, 60 hours solid. Into Dude, running I feel this like game. I'm like hundreds of hours in
0: and I'm not... Yeah. Even close. Um, know, because
1: unlocking a lot more of the story involves so one of the items you get while making the runs through through these caverns is you get nectar that you get to give to the characters, and you can give them nectar and unlock more of their story and their stories intertwine with other characters. For example, I know that like Achilles and Patroclus have like a you know a story that relates to their real like real life Greek myth that stuff that they went through. So, yeah, but I I started going back and starting to, like, do all that stuff and then especially to trying to uh, turn up the, the heats at the end of the game where you can make the game more difficult on yourself because, right. you know, Supergiant wants you to hate yourself. And uh, <laughs> But, yeah, by that time, yeah, you could say a couple a hundred or so hours rolled by and just other stuff came out. And I was just like, okay, like, I I I know what this game is. And I just got distracted by other stuff, unfortunately. <laughs> uh,
0: essentially... It's what you said, yeah. You just keep giving this nectar to the gods, kind of appeasing them. You do the same thing with Persephone. And eventually, I guess the House of Hades decides to have a family reunion to kind of have, you know, patch things up, make good on everything, and kind of end this, you know, pseudo-Cold War. Basically, the game ends with a picture of Hades and Zeus giving each other a handshake. Wow. Yeah, and it's such a simple thing because they treat these characters as if they were just humans almost they have mm. human problems you know that can just be resolved just by saying something it's right. like not 2 so godlike beings that have to fight exactly. each other or something yeah it's not like they fought on earth and like destroyed continents and stuff like that over
1: some stupid dispute yeah i i i, I agree i didn't know that was the ending of the game like i said i just um Unfortunately, another game that's very close to my heart came out was Monster Hunter Rise. So, of course, fighting dinosaurs with giant swords put precedence <laughs> to solving the problems of, a, of you know, the, the, the Greek mythos. So, you know,
0: priorities. <laughs> uh, I will say, having done some of that, the post-credit stuff, um, I didn't get that far on the PS5 version. I did play several hours after credits on the Switch version. That's when the game starts to feel very tedious, mm-hmm. just trying to collect enough nectar. And imbro- the ambrosia is even harder to collect at that point. And mm-hmm. then having See, to constantly having to go do through do the pact of punishment.
1: Hundreds of runs at yeah. increasingly harder
0: and harder difficulties. <laughs> Let's talk about Zagreus real quick, because I feel like there's tons of characters that we could actually talk about. And like I said, they're all incredibly voice acted. Mm hmm. I don't want that to go overlooked. At least, um, you know, the voice acting in this game is probably amongst the best I've ever heard in a video game. Oh, yeah, it's very good. It's very good. We could we could spend hours talking about each character individually, probably. So <laughs> <laughs> it's have to be a twenty nine part episode. <laughs> um, and on top of that, obviously, because there are so many characters. The story is in, obviously incredibly long. It has over 22,000 lines of spoken dialogue. So you will probably never hear the same lines more than once. Obviously, I want to really just kind of focus on Zagreus. He is the main character. He's the star. Mm-hmm. You, did you take a liking to Zagreus? Did you, did you like him right off the bat? or um, you know, What did you think hey. about Zagreus overall?
1: Yeah, I, I did like him. I liked how um, his whole premise of trying to escape the underworld just kind of stick it to his father, while trying to simultaneously find out more about himself through this journey. Um, I thought I found it was very compelling, uh, despite the fact that he was in such a dark kind of place as the realm of Hades. He was seemed like a genuinely good soul at heart. Like he was very amicable with pretty much everybody that he that he runs across or comes across. Mm-hmm. Like he's pretty friendly with. For everybody, especially even people he's that he's fucking eat, charming. Like, yeah, he's very charming.
0: Who wants to be the
2: first to die again? It's not me. Uh
1: oh, <laughs> it's just a tiny vermin. Oh gods.
0: Mysterious. Other guy. I always shall rise up to thwart your wicked plans, monster.
2: Zagreus.
0: M- no. Just the first part. No murderer. Just Zagreus. Or,
1: let's see, how about Happy? Can you say Happy? And I I thought that would be kind of off-putting and felt like he was, like, 2 goody-two-shoes, but I was honestly fine with it. I mean, you're talking to a guy that... Sora is one of his favorite characters, and (laughs) Sora is, like, the most bland of, uh, like, good anime protagonists, good boys. So, yeah, I thought Zagreus was awesome down from, like, yeah, the way he was voice acted to his design. It was, he was, yeah, it's one of my favorite characters in in all of gaming right now. It's just, yeah, everything about him was, was great. I'm
0: going to say, I'm going to put this out there. (laughs) Zagreus, a little selfish, a little selfish. I'm just going to say that. It's not always about what you want, you know what I mean? It's not, but <laughs> I mean, I can, I can relate to that, so. But it turns out everything works out for him anyway, you know, whether or not, you know, sometimes your parents separate and you don't know why, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's none of your business, but mm-hmm. like I said, it turned out well for him, so it's okay. And
1: sometimes, too, also... Growing up, which i I imagine that he's he's still doing it I, I obviously I don't know what the lifespan of gods are because you know we all die in eighty years, We're not to get existential in anybody <laughs> but um I, I thought the same way when I was younger, I was like, my parents don't know better. Like, and I just, you know, had a chip on my, I think everybody does at that age has like a chip on their shoulder. And it's just like, oh, I know better. I, I've know what the world experiences, but you don't, you don't really until you experience the world. So, right. um, I, I kind of like that they made him a little more, yeah, he does have a little bit of a selfish, arrogant side to him, but yeah, I mean, that made him more relatable because you know, I've come to experience my time. I've even told my parents, um, having talked to them later in life that, Hey, like, and my mom always told me, she was like, you'll see later in life. You'll tell me that I was right. And I, I did 100%. I was like, Mom, you were right. Why didn't you mm-hmm. slap the shit out of me? Like, <laughs> I, was, I was stupid. So, um, yeah, I, I felt that made him, like, if he was too good, that would make it almost unbelievable, the fact that he was a little bit. Yeah, it makes him human. Yeah, it did. It really did make him human. And like you said, too, you hit the nail on that earlier. It makes these super mega beings relatable to just regular people.
0: To the gameplay i basically already covered what a roguelike is in returnal same thing here you're going to die a lot uh you're going to restart a lot uh the only difference here is hades is much closer to that traditional roguelike in that it's from a top-down 2d isometric perspective and the game itself is it's not wholly dependent on RNG, though I don't know why I said RNG that way. <laughs> though RNG do- really play does really put emphasis on each one there. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it does play a role in Hades in, in some way. Uh, Zagreus' movements pretty basic here. You have an attack and a heavy attack, he can uh dash and dodge. Uh, he has a secondary attack where he can fire what they call your call. <laughs> mm. It's basically like a prism or like a diamond that she shoots at enemies, um, which you can also fill with boons itself. And the boons, I'm just going to very vaguely go over these if you have anything to add. There are just a ton of them. <laughs> add, there's way too much, just like Returnal, there's just way too much to cover here. I feel like, you know, once I get the basics out of the way, you want to just like kind of talk about like what a run, what like one of your runs looks like and stuff like that. And then we can just kind of fill in the gaps as we talk about our runs. Mm -hmm. Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds fine. Okay. So where was I? Boons? The boons, they're these upgrades that the gods give us to help us escape. So similar to Returnal, when you die, these power-ups and any of the forward progress that you've made is completely stripped. You restart from scratch. Each god has their own set of boons, some having a variation of the same power-up, more or less, And these will show up depending on uh, which chamber door you decide to pick, which leads me to, I guess, the levels or like the arenas themselves. Unlike Returnal, I keep because it's just so recent in my mind. It's the most recent thing. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like Returnal's exploration is more of like freeform jazz, while the exploration in Hades is kind of just like pop music. Um, Because as soon as you clear the chamber that you're in, you're typically presented with like one, two, or sometimes three doors, each one kind of letting you know, uh, what your next reward will be at the end of that chamber. And so the progression in this game is like, even though you're deciding what route you want to take, it's more or less linear because you're always going forward. You're never going back. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as you, you enter. Die. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as you enter like a brand new arena, the door is locked behind you. You can't go back. Sometimes when you enter a room, there will be random gates. Uh, there's the Chaos Gate and an Inferno Gate. Uh, the Chaos Gate acts very much like the parasites from Returnal. <laughs> These will basically bring you to Chaos, who offers you a boon that will give you a power-up at the expense of another thing. Oh, shit. Just don't let Jack Garland know that we found
1: Chaos. <laughs> So it comes full circle, man. <laughs> you just can't kill, you can't kill chaos in this game, though. <laughs> Isn't Jack Garland chaos?
0: Wait, oh, he is. Yeah. Was, so is the other guy not Jack then?
2: It's all very confusing.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to play that game, aren't I? Chaos does a lot
2: of volunteer work Chaos. and makes a big impact in his community. Chaos. I hope Chaos doesn't think my shirt is weird. His opinion means a lot to me. Chaos.
1: I'll come on that episode <laughs> if you want to play it. I just saw you <laughs> <Stanger>. shudder. <laughs> There's another demo. Out. I haven't played it yet. Here's a multiplayer demo. I feel like we should
0: play it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's supposed to be a multiplayer oh. demo. <laughs> Interesting. I have a feeling I'm going to get that game, uh, and I'm going to hate myself for it. I w- I would play through it with you. I'm just saying. So you're saying right now you're volunteering on a future episode, Stranger Paradise, Absolutely. Origin. Yeah, okay. absolutely locked in. You heard it here f- first, folks. I might cut this part out anyway, but oh man. <laughs> but
1: yeah, I guess taking off your points. You described very well. So yeah, at the end of each chamber, you basically have a choice of of what door to pick, and sometimes like a door will offer you. You can see. A boon and it'll show you the god symbol of what boon that'll be. Whether it's, you know, Athena has like a shield looking thing. Zeus is obviously a lightning bolt. Poseidon's a trident, just type different types of things like that. Or sometimes you won't get any of those. Sometimes the doors will be the different collectibles you can get the different currencies. So, like the, the darkness, whatever that currency is, it, I think it's just called darkness.
0: I'm yeah, that sure. goes into the, I think it's just called the mirror of darkness, which yeah. are these, you could put points into these various stats at the beginning of your run and those are permanent. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, and this, if there's different other, like, currency too, uh, the, the gems that you can get to, like, pay the contractor to upgrade the house of Hades, like, that do different things or you put fountains in your run or just different things like that. So you, you do get currency to unlock little permanent upgrades that alter the game. They play it in certain types of ways. But yeah, like, the main gimmick of the game is combining these different boons together to assist you on your run and that's really for me like where a lot of the fun of the game comes in is because uh not only are you picking which weapon you want to pick and there's five or six different weapons at the start from the i don't know the exact names of the weapons but like one's a sword
0: one's a spear one's a shield you got the
1: the boxing gloves, yeah so like i got them.
0: yeah i got the name right here okay, uh, so they're called the group of them are infernal arms that's it so you've got stygius which is a sword mm-hmm. that's your starting weapon varatha this is the spear Aegis is the shield. Coronaut is the bone arrow. Malfon is, is gloves. And Exegriff is the rail. Man. So let me ask you this. What, what was your preferred? Like, what weapons did you prefer? Like, my go-to is Malfon, uh, which mm. are the gloves. Basically think uh, two pairs of the Infinity Gauntlet, essentially. And I talked about on Returnal that my approach to these types of games is to just get into everybody's fucking face and beat the shit out of them. Not to mention some of the boons that I go for will typically favor the gloves over others, mm-hmm. I found. And I also get, like... I'm going to sound like a real gamer here, Eric. <laughs> but I get the gamer grip on my controller where with my right hand, if you're using PlayStation, I put my my thumb is constantly resting on X and I'm constantly hammering on that, you know, to dash around. And then obviously I'm use, controlling my dash with the left thumbstick, And then while I'm doing that with my thumb, my index finger is on square and my middle finger is on triangle. You had the claw so grip going on there my, Ooh. Yeah. So it's kind of, so it's, yeah. So it's kind of like something That's like this. Right there. And the controller is sitting on my lap. And so I can kind of cycle through a heavy attack and a light attack while dashing and then combo all of those together. And, you know, a speed running element kind of comes into the play when you get to the Pact of Punishment, if you decide to mm-hmm. turn that on. So with that kind of grip and with the Malfon gloves, I can usually clear a room within like 20 to 30 seconds oh, wow. easily. Like I'm not thats pretty not good. bragging. I'm just saying. No, that's pretty good. I'm <laughs> just saying. And the Pact of Punishment is basically just, I, I think you might have mentioned it earlier, just a bunch of self-imposed handicaps that you equip Zagreus mm-hmm. with to... Make your run harder. Yeah, so it's like, you, you have a certain amount of time um, to clear but the room. But it's something you have yeah, to do eventually. Like, so you have
1: like a certain amount of time to clear a room. Like enemies have more shields. It's just the things that make your life more miserable. <laughs> so. What,
0: what about you? What was your, um yes yeah, so i'm a little
1: baby too. um I, I definitely like to keep my distance that's just been my play style uh so i i tended to go for and i'll use the actual names uh, i liked a Varatha the sp- the spear a lot and i liked uh Cornac the bow as well just because i whenever i was i, I love playing with the closer range weapons but i just i spaz too much when i get close range i just freak yeah. out and it normally end up killing myself so i like just I'm a little bit more methodical player of, you know, using the bow and using the spear to keep distance between myself and the things that I'm attempting to kill. And um, sure. I kind of build my my boons around that too. My my favorite boons to go for definitely are the Athena and the Ares boons. Just because I like having the Athena boons because cause a lot of her stuff, you can
0: deflect attacks and it increases your defense. Let's, yeah, so let's say, okay, let's talk about like what a basic run okay. would kind of look like. So, you know, your choosing your your mm-hmm. weapon right so let's just start at keepsakes you know what keepsakes do you pick when you first start your run and then what does your run look like from the second you leave the house of hades to the end
1: i'm gonna have to look up the keepsakes i'll be honest because there are so many of them <laughs> oh there are like right yeah there's the one in. keepsake for every character i believe And
0: then you get into the summons and stuff like that yeah
1: which yeah i've only unlocked one and that was on the switch version yeah so there's there's just there's like literally so many um, I forget the specific ones. I definitely liked having extra health. I know, like, the spike collar just gives you extra health. Um, also the mirror mm-hmm. Bracer from Achilles takes 25, 30% damage from facing the front, but 10% more from behind, which I never really found a problem. I liked having the extra defense from, like, the front, just because that was where I was mostly taking damage from. And then, uh, I really liked the Athena charm, the owl pendant. Uh, it gave you a better chance to find, uh, boons from Athena and it increased yeah. like the rarity of her boons the chance to get that. So when I was I tried to get her boons cuz I always tied them into my runs a lot so I ran that one a lot. Those are those are pretty much the main ones but yeah, dude, like you said there's like 30 different the uh,
0: the yeah, there's, there's a, a lot. lot of those. <laughs> so so for me like before I leave Hades, I always equip the thunder signet which is the one that Zeus gives you. And so this one specifically allows only Zeus to appear uh, the most frequent throughout the area, which uh, I have a thing where I love to just stack Zeus boons because I feel like his offensive, the offensive stuff that he, he gives you is incredibly powerful. I can see that, especially with the gloves, with the lightning. Yeah, that's devastating. <laughs> like, yeah, especially if you're moving around a lot and you have the, the boon where the lightning um, yeah. zigzags between enemies and you upgrade that a little bit so other enemies that you're not directly hitting are getting their health cut down as you do other stuff mm-hmm. just in general i guess just some good advice um, if you're starting out uh, throughout the runs uh, never ignore rooms that will give you the Dataless hammer because that allows you to essentially just add more upgrades to your weapon of choice and they only show up twice in the run Um, so it's not like you're going to be ignoring anything else, really. Also, I believe that it's very beneficial to fuck with chaos in your run, especially if it's early. Like, I feel like that the negative effects that will happen to you early in your run, they're not detrimental enough to your, to your run if you're, if you're good enough. And the positive perks can go a long way. Especially once you've made it through enough chambers to get that negative perk. Yeah, most, of, you, uh, most
1: of the time, and like you said, that, that whole gimmick is you're, you're trading off a negative short term effect for a long term. Essentially, it's like a chaos boon. And that might be like a okay, so to enter the gates, you have to take like a, hel- a hit point penalty. So you have to like pay like 20 hit points of damage. Right. Which. At the start of the game, is not that big of a deal because the starting areas are relatively easy and you're usually not going to get hurt that often. You can and you can recruit that health back. Um, but, yeah, it's usually like, OK, you can't use like your regular attacks for like five chambers. But after that's over, it'll give you like 10 percent more like attack or you'll get 10 percent more resources or something like mm-hmm. that. So it's really like a trade off to get like it's a short term handicap for a long term benefit. Yeah. later and yeah those those are inc- i i go for those every single time right in the beginning usually if
0: they are I'll say cool. though once once I re- reach a point in my run like Elysium or something like that and if a chaos gate shows up like I'm not gonna take it like that's just too risky at that point it is yes it's definitely
1: been more beneficial to take it earlier um yeah most of the times I weigh the cost reward if if I don't feel if I feel like I need a little bit more maybe I'll, I'll roll that dice but if I feel like I have a relatively good build going
0: then I yeah no way I'm gonna the chance yeah in. yeah. Um, If you come across rooms that offer you the dual boons, so sometimes you'll reach a room or you'll reach a door where you'll have, you know, the icon for Zeus and like an icon for Athena or something like that, which means you can ostensibly collect two boons in one room. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Go for it. It's always worth it to collect more boons than just one. And I kind of like how those rooms specifically they they
1: kind of tie into the the family theme that the game is trying to tell yeah because yeah. basically you're choosing one god's boon over another and then you have to fight like a wave of enemies because that other god is like pissed at you pissed it's off like, <laughs> right. how dare you pick this god's boon over over mine like and so it really kind of plays into like that family drama i just thought that was kind of kind of cool the way they did that and, and
0: yeah it, it's it's definitely a double two for one if you can survive right and then for me i don't know if this is something you do but i always ignore the coin doors. Unless there's literally like, the next door is a is a shop, you know, going to Karon mm-hmm. Shop. Like most of the time, I don't really visit Karon Shop. I don't know what your strategy is with as far as the coin doors go. I usually just ignore them. I don't go for
1: coins just because I find that I'm most times always wanting other resources other than coins to upgrade more permanent stuff. Yeah, and I feel feel that like through just process of playing the game because you get coins from defeating enemies. I normally have enough coins that I don't really need the extra stuff. I'll hit Karen's shop if I feel like I just need, like, uh, because sometimes he'll have boons at his shop or sometimes he'll have health or or something you can level up on your current boons. So if I feel like I need that, I'll hit it. But, yeah, I I prioritize coins very, very lowly over anything else. And I'm mostly always looking for, for boons or for something, unless I'm specifically hunting for resources, like, in a run, like I need more darkness or something which that statement sounded really emo, but <laughs> like, you always need more darkness, you know? Yeah. That, that I coins are really like not, I don't
0: care about coins. <laughs> yeah. You collect them enough just naturally throughout your run. And even if you end up with like a really shitty boon in between levels you could basically sell off your shitty boons and collect a, a decent amount of decent amount of coins right and
1: i'm never want, wanting to go into karen's shop and like spend all my money so right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm usually looking for like a specific thing or just like i need an extra hit of health or something i'm not i won't i don't need 700 coins
0: going yeah if i'm visiting karen's shop. shop it's <laughs> probably because i'm in deep trouble like i haven't getting good boons mm-hmm. i'm probably low on health or something like that like mm-hmm. that's the only reason why i ever visit his shop or if i yeah. want to fight him i don't know <laughs> which that was a surprise and yes. holy shit he is tough <laughs> um let's see so like i get out of tartarus right and i'm in Asvidel. um so this is in between chambers is when you can actually change your keepsake otherwise you can't change it at any other point and you can't re-equip keepsakes that you have already used i think you have to get something from the contractor to do that right i think you have to buy like the yes the keepsake box or whatever so it appears in the chambers in between yeah and then then i typically go for what you said was the um owl pendant which is athena's boons yeah and her athena boon er, or her athena boons (laughs) her (laughs) her boons are like as far as defense goes are like incredibly op like the Mm. i feel like you need the reflect boons you have to
2: Especially it's essential the, to
0: completing a run yeah especially the
1: i have a very very special place in my heart for the the dash that get her dash that gives you the reflect is like really good because you can e- almost use it offensively especially for enemies that shoot projectiles you can like dash into them and reflect all their projectiles back in them um yeah. so that just it makes your survivability that much that much greater um unless you're going for like a super super heavy like aggressive attack build where you can just pretty much kill anything super fast
0: right um yeah i need i need the defense because i'm not good at video games so and then uh what do you think about artemis because i feel like i prioritize artemis maybe like third in my build
1: i do too i like her extra attack and the extra criticals are nice too yeah i feel Um, like the
0: criticals stack up really nicely if you get them early enough so i normally
1: find myself going for like a Athena, Artemis, I call them the, the like triple A's, the, the, the Athena, Artemis, and Ares builds. And I, I really like Ares uh, abilities too because he just gives you pure attack and he, you can inflict doom, which is just will inflict extra damage on the enemies over time. Uh, and then his projectiles was really cool. There's just like a spinning blade that you shoot out. Like that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really kind of like merged those like, it's really like an offense-defense build. It's kind of it's kind of weird the way I the way I like to play that. Um, are there
0: any gods that you avoid? I really don't like Poseidon. I warn you not to trifle with me, nephew. Okay, same. I just His I,
1: I get his whole gimmick, and with ranged weapons, his boons are actually pretty good because a lot of his boons have to do with like pushing people away with waves. Um, so for like, if you have a, the bow. That's that's pretty good for that if you're trying to keep people away from you or if you have the spear with the Daedalus hammer that gives you extended range on the spear mm-hmm. like that's pretty good but like I just I never feel like when I get Poseidon booms that
0: his boons do anything yeah I just I'd rather have every time I, I come across Poseidon I'm always hoping. I don't remember what the boon is called, but it's the one where he just drops, like, darkness, gemstones, coins, and I think Oh, life. yeah, that one. And I was just like, I'm just going to take this. It's just, like, I yeah. don't give a shit. Like
1: That one, and I, I'm not a particular fan of the Aphrodite ones either.
0: Oh, really? You shall find I don't take such rejections lying down, and you shall find it out the hard way.
1: I just, again, inflicting weak on enemies is, is pretty handy because they do less damage to you, but, again, you don't have to worry about that if you're not getting hit. So, I don't know. I, hers just don't really do anything for me for me either. Honestly, um, yeah. If I can stack the, if I can stack the Zeus spoons though, too, like, the, like man, those I just find I never find Zeus spoons that often for whatever reason. They don't show up very often in my runs. So oh, really? Like, yeah, I get
0: like I just don't know why. I don't. Maybe I'm just unlucky. So <laughs> I wine and dine Zeus like as soon as possible to get the Because yeah. the more you, the more nectar you give the gods, the more likely you are to get rarer boons, rarer, more powerful boons. Oh yeah. So I wine and dine Zeus pretty early, same with Aphrodite. same with I um, Athena. So you would um, dine Aphrodite for sure. I might. I might, <laughs> but her boons suck though too. I'm gonna agree yeah, with that's you. That's right. It's like I agree that you're showing up to me almost naked, but like the power sucks. <laughs> so I appreciate the attention, but <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna add Dionysus to your list as well. I do not like Dionysus's boons.
2: I'm absolutely gutted, man. I found
1: so i don't like his cast where he usually just like throw like a festive like bomb or whatever i think that's stupid he has one where your regular attack will inflict hangover and that's basically like poison that stacks pretty good with some with some stuff but i there are better things that do damage over time so so yeah dionysus he's kind of middle of the pack i I don't hate when he shows up i prefer him more like i'd rather see him than poseidon so if i have like a choice between him and poseidon at a door like i'll definitely go with dionysus but okay like his dash isn't anything special, like he, he just leaves hangover behind. It's just it's not like I feel like he doesn't give you anything in like terms of survivability or more damage output really. It's more of like status
2: effects. So
0: say i feel like uh, any of the ones that are worth talking about is really just going to be the temple of sticks Mm -hmm. um yeah the game is broken up into four levels tartarus asphodel elysium and the temple of sticks the most interesting parts about any of these places are the bosses themselves the characters (laughs) the this game is about characters if i haven't said it enough the Furies of tartarus Mm -hmm. um that's my girlfriend megara (laughs) <laughs> Electo and Tisiphony? Tis- 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 Something tis- like that. They're all your girlfriends? Or just Meg? No, just Meg. Okay. <laughs> Tisiphony, tis- tif- like, if I'm drunk enough, like, you get some really weird shit going on. She's but- just the one that screams, right? I think. Yeah. 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 There's a You can put a joke in there someplace. Um, and then the <laughs> second, second boss, the Bone Hydra, a.k.a. Lernie in right. uh, Asphodel. Probably also
1: put a joke in there about the Bone Hydra, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you got the champions of Elysium, Theseus, and Asterius, and then the Temple of Styx is the only area without a boss fight. Technically, the only area without a boss fight, though there are many bosses. Unless you count Hades part of the boss fight, but I i don't feel he's like the end boss same. is my opinion so yeah is there any boss that really stuck out to you or one that you hate
1: i didn't really hate any of them i thought they were all done really well i remember the first time i played through this game that uh theseus and the minotaur gave me a lot of trouble i str- i struggled to get past them the first like probably 10 or 12 runs they were they were rough I like that one the most. I think that's a really cool dynamic those characters have between them, and that whole fight too is just trying to manage not getting speared by Theseus while trying to kill the Minotaur and then take out Theseus. I just, right. I think that's that's an awesome fight. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really hate any of the fights at all. I think they're all done really, really well. Uh, I just, you alluded to it. That Temple of Sticks area is. I've lost many, many, many runs to the <laughs> yeah, Temple of Sticks. This is the because, run killer. Um, RNG can be brutal in this game, but it's especially brutal in the Temple of Sticks, and that's because the whole gimmick between that behind that is Cerberus is guarding the door, and you have to find basically a sack of satyr meat to to get him to move so you can leave. And you
0: have five tunnels. it's five tunnels off of the side, right? That you can pick. You have a one in five chance of finding the the MacGuffin to move Cerberus on right. the way which
1: I read that supposedly n- nobody really knows how this works. I've been doing some research on Reddit, but it, it supposedly will never happen on the first one you pick. It'll never be a one, ap- apparently. I mean, it,
0: I've probably played more than 100
1: hours of this game, and it's never happened the first okay. time. It's based on people who think it's based on how many rooms you go through to get it in each of those tunnels so yeah people say you'll never never ever ever get it on the first oh. try i i personally haven't either so well
0: well each of those rooms have a set, each of those tunnels have a set of number of rooms each one mm-hmm. consists of seven chambers and there's only one that has six rooms in it and that's oh. the one that contains the uh what is it called the bag of meat that the satyr se- sack is the well. satyr sack yeah <laughs> there's a joke in that too <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other thing that really fucking sucks about the Temple of Sticks is the satyrs themselves the enemies. It's so easy to get poisoned. Oh, and yeah. the poison does so much damage and you have to cleanse yourself of it otherwise it'll just kill you. Yeah and if you cleanse yourself and then go get poisoned there's a cooldown period for for the um cleansing the cleansing fountains. So it's like you can't go immediately. Go go back and do it. And then sometimes the fountains themselves are kind of blend in with the environment, and they're kind of hard to see. I don't know about and, you. And are sometimes. surrounded by trap tiles too. Sometimes, yes. So, <laughs> oh yes, and yeah. This area is insanely trap heavy too. Baby, aside from the Theseus and Asterius fight, it's mm-hmm. probably one of the hardest part of the game. Especially if you have to go through more than one tunnel. And all these tunnels are packed
1: with enemies. There's so many enemies, especially in the end room where there's kind of like a mini boss at the end of every room. Yeah, there's just so, so many enemies, so many things that can cause poison and status ailments. It's especially too like like you said, you like to run uh, a very close combat melee build with the gloves. You you can't. That
0: sucks. You can't (laughs) because the rats leave pools of poison. So you have to step in it. It It sucks so bad. It does. <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> I often would rather do the mini boss tunnels first. Mm-hmm. Because those fights are usually a lot easier than the horde fights that you get in the regular tunnels. Oh, yeah. And usually the rewards are a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if it's more than two, I mean, it's it sucks. It really does suck. Um yeah. I want to go back to actually the Theseus and Asterius fight because this is kind of one of my complaints. This is going to be one of my complaints about this game. So as you go through Elysium, right, there's Mm. too many boss rooms that you might encounter depending on which path you take. And one of them, one of those boss fights, is a fight with Asterius just by himself. You basically only fight him until you get him down to about like a quarter of his health, and then he just leaves. But then when you get to the final boss arena and you fight... Him along with Theseus, he just magically has all of his health back. Like, it's so frustrating. And it's easily one of the hardest fights in the game.
1: I guess I never noticed that because he's difficult by himself, too, because he just doesn't (sighs) let up.
0: I don't know. I don't think he's that bad. I'm bad at video games, so. (laughs) Usually in the Theseus-Asterius fight, I usually take out Asterius first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then go for Theseus because things can get a little hairy with Theseus when he has like a, a bo- he, he basically gets a boon from the gods himself mm-hmm. and then he uses it on you. Um, so things can get a little hairy if Asterius is still around. Normally you only have to worry about him throwing his
1: spear at you every so often if you just leave him alone. And if you've got a boon from Athena,
0: you can just reflect that right back at him. Yes. But yeah, I mean the, the whole thing with Asterius is getting, it's bullshit. Which isn't a pun because he's a bull, literally, but <laughs> if you encounter her, like you fight him earlier, he shouldn't be at full health, he should have a quarter health i
1: after I discovered that, I pretty much just avoid that door from now on i mean it's it's i mean yeah, yeah but you, you never know if it's nice. gonna be him or the the butterfly thing, the butterfly yeah, ball right the butterfly ball, yeah you don't that's true, um but yeah, it's just like why go through that effort if you're not going to be rewarded for doing that just even have even if it wasn't like the full quarter of his health even if it was just like some of his health some of his health should not be there because
0: you fought him earlier right and that's just that disconnect doesn't make any sense like it's something super giant is aware of they have to be because this game was in early access so right and elysium the elysium patch came out long before the game was officially released so Mm -hmm. This is something that they intended to put in the game, and it sucks. It does suck. I will will say that, yeah. looks good very good i'm not really sure i mean we already kind of talked about it um i really don't have anything else to say about the graphics um
1: it's definitely a super giant game if you've seen other super giant games you'll definitely know it's, it's what it looks like i mean it looks really great everything's really it there's never a point where you're looking at the screen and trying to figure out like where am i what the hell is going on everything's very distinguishable which which it needs to be in this game because can get pretty crazy pretty fast um the thing i really like is i like when you're talking to people and the text box come up with the character art character art's really awesome for all the characters like it's 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 really well it done. really is yeah and that's that's the coolest thing to me uh, aside from you know everything else in this game just the different character art for all the different drawings they had to do for the 30 plus characters that they had and they had to draw them too in different because i know that like i think they have like different facial expressions depending on their moods and stuff right yeah it, correct me if i'm not so like it should be drawn several different ways so i i really that just really struck a chord with me for whatever reason the game is
0: incredibly colorful elysium is beautiful yeah Elysium looks really, really good. And then once you escape and you're out, you know, on the earth and you're like walking around in, in the in the in the mountains and stuff with the snow and then you walk into Persephone's cottage area. It's it's a gorgeous looking game and it's a very stance and stark contrast of all of the, you know, I'm going to say like deep darkness of the underworld, but the underworld is very <laughs> colorful, though, you know. I will say something I noticed is kind of silly. But in the character illustrations and in the environments and even in the out-of-bounds, like, black areas of the levels, there were, like, these little tiny colored specks and colored dots, like, all over the game. Do you ever notice that? I guess I didn't really. I'll have to go back and check that out. Because, like, at first when I noticed it, I couldn't stop noticing it. And like as I was playing through the game, I thought it was getting worse and more specs were showing up for some reason. Interesting. And I think it was just some something in my head where I thought like something was wrong with my switch. (laughs) And I was like, oh, fuck. And so I went on Google and I started to like search. I was like looking up like what these could be and nothing would come up. Interesting. I couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. And it was just something I could not ignore. And then eventually I stopped playing the game, came back to it on the PS5, and it's there. So obviously it's an artistic decision. Interesting. And I don't, obviously this is a very personal thing, but it bothers the <laughs> fuck out of me because I can never not look at it. When it's always I look there at, in your peripheral. like <laughs> Not even in your peripheral. I mean, like I said, it's in the character illustrations. It's throughout the world.
1: Interesting. I guess and I, can I just cannot
0: that. notice it and it bothers the hell out of me.
1: Have to go back and check that out, and I, this is probably going to ruin it for me now because I'm going to go back and see it, and it's probably going to bug the hell out of me. <laughs> it's too, a very so. personal
0: thing. <laughs> I understand, and I'm not going to be like docking the game for that or anything like that. But it's just something I just can't. It's very weird. Once I noticed <laughs> it, it's now. I I just wanted, I just wanted to float that out there. Just wanted to say that. Yeah. So.
1: I think too. Um, just to go back to what you said to touch on it real quick. They they did a fantastic job of making sure each. Area of Hades feels like its own distinct area, like you said. Like Tartarus has a very distinct design to it. Asphodel is very red because there's a lot of lava. Elysium's very like light, a lot of light blue color. So each area is very distinct in its design, which I think is. It would have been easy to make it kind of like homogenous and stuff, but they went out of their way to make sure each area was very, very distinct. Asphodel feels hot. Yes, it's
0: you're just like okay. This it is feels hell. oppressive. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right let's just finish up here with the music if that's okay. cool with you for sure and i feel like this is something i've already talked about previously on my music episode last year as well as probably when i t- talked about my top 10 games of 2020 what's your take on the music man the music fucking slams
1: it's Fuck yeah. it's <laughs> so it's so good like it's it does the atmosphere perfectly. Like all you'd be walking along and it'll be atmospheric and then stuff will start showing up and then like that it, it's almost got a doom vibe to it. Like the heavy metal music starts to kick in, and you're just going. It's and it it's, it matches the flow of the game. It's intense when it needs to be intense. It's less when it's, you know, calm moments in between. Like it's it sets the tone of the game and matches it perfectly. Like I Like you can pop this in and, and listen to this while you're working out and stuff, it'll get you that pumped. So <laughs> I think the most impressive
0: thing is, is that the music actually adapts to what you're doing in the game. Mm -hmm. A lot of these chambers like Returnal, although they will look the same, the enemy encounters will never be the same. They're always usually randomly generated unless you enter a boss chamber. Right. And so the music adapts to that. So if something intense is going on, the music is going to ramp up. And as soon as you finish that encounter seamlessly like absolutely seamlessly the music will just kind of flow into the next piece right and it never it's never jarring it's never like you know you play an art an RPG and you get into an encounter and all of a sudden like you're in like this nice little you know you have, like this nice little overworld theme and then all of a sudden it's just this jarring like jazz piece and like trumpets and shit it's completely exactly it's a complete <laughs> 180 from what the soundtrack already was yeah, it really like flows in.
1: It feels like it's all part of the same piece, almost kind of like I guess it kind of be like a symphony where it's just it flows from one piece to the other. And you're like, yeah, like this totally would naturally lead into that. It's not like an abrupt cut. And yeah, I'm listening to like a a nice town theme because I'm in a town. And all of a sudden, yeah, I've got like intense guitars and there's a choral orchestra behind me. It's not. There's no intense jarring right. cut like
0: that. It's. It feels like it's all part of the same movement Uh, you know i mentioned at the top of the show i primarily watched that the music portion of the no clip documentary because at heart i'm still very much a music nerd i love watching that whole creation process of of music Mm -hmm. and now with the context knowing that all the stuff that darren korb went through especially during the the pandemic even without before the pandemic hit he was basically making most of this stuff under a very Tight deadline throughout the entire process of the game. Yeah, he in the documentary, I think he talks about having worked on like the other super giant. I'm pretty sure he worked on the other super giant games. How those more or less tested the limits of his creativity because he's more comfortable comfortable making rock and metal soundtracks. Mm -hmm. And then with Hades, he said that he really just felt at home because he could just relax and just play as heavy as he wanted to. And it, like you said, it definitely shows because it's just. Just this heavy ass soundtrack. It's so good, and there are moments where there are kind of like these, I would say, more ballad songs, but they're still heavy mm-hmm. because you have a song like "A God of the Dead." That's the one that I played on my music show. You have that, but then you have "In the Blood," which is more of kind of like a ballad, and that what that's what plays over the end credits of the game. Mm-hmm. Who has I got a uh, Ashley Barrett? She's the one that voices uh, Eurydice. So you have her singing on that track along with Darren Korb because he does the voice of Orpheus as well, and they're doing a duet. And when that song kicks in and the credits, starts, and the credits start rolling, it's so rewarding, and it's such a damn good song, and really just the lyrics just kind of really tie up everything all of these characters have been going through, you know? All these, like, inner hardships and stuff that they're dealing with and stuff that they're not talking about because they're just... It's like this world that they live in where they're not supposed to really talk about their feelings. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's also a really good point in the game, also because if you don't spend time building a relationship with Orpheus in the game, you'll never hear him sing. Like this will be the only time you ever hear him sing. So it's right. Pretty rewarding thing at the end of the at the end of this game. I don't know. I just so you can tell I really like the soundtrack. <laughs> so Yeah, they, they never waste any moments in the soundtrack.
1: Every piece of music matches the atmosphere exactly as it needs to be at every point in the game. And that's super impressive. <laughs> like, that's, that's very difficult to pull off. And I can't imagine, especially given that it was a pandemic year and he had tight deadlines and probably not access to all the tools he normally would have because nobody was allowed to work in their workspaces for almost a year. Yeah, the is definitely an impressive accomplishment one of the best soundtracks for sure <laughs> this is it's yes this is the time where i'm exposed that i actually know nothing about video games have been been a fraud my whole life
0: (laughs) let me pull up the leaderboards here because as you know this this went through some tweaking here i actually even changed the name of the game i like to call this game the wheel of misfortune oh good (laughs) (laughs) the rules are simple I'm going to give you a description of a game that takes place in hell. (laughs) And you have to tell me what game it is. Oh, this is going to be bad. But, Eric, (sighs) Hades is a roguelike with elements of RNG. Oh, Jesus. So today's game, I'm incorporating some elements of RNG. I fucking hate my life right now. <laughs> I have a wheel here. <coughs> so that determine a legitimate how many wheel. clues you get. You could have a total of five clues or just one. All the numbers are evenly distributed. Okay. You know, so you're not likely to get one number over another at any point when I spin it. I'm going to give you a decision. You can choose to spin the wheel or not. But before you decide if you want to spin the wheel... I will read the initial description of the game. I'll I'll read you your your first clue is free. And you can forego spinning the wheel if you think you know it. So, if you forego spinning it, if you can nail the game on just the one clue, I will offer you up two extra points. That's three points. That's a lot of points. This is a lot of points. That's a lot. But if you do not (sighs) guess correctly, you just eat shit and we got to move on to the next question. Okay. Okay. Any questions? (laughs) No, but I feel like I'm in hell right now, so let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, okay, when I originally wrote out this description here, it's not only games that take place in hell, but there's also games where you possibly visit hell. Okay. So far, right now, on top of the leaderboards as of Returnal, Ryan has a total of 140 points. Chris is sitting at second place with one eighteen, and Dre and Chase are both tied for third place at one hundred. Eric, would you like me to swipe up or swipe down on the wheel? Uh, And that'll control the spin. If it'll go right or left, I'm assuming. I mean, I just want you to have the fairest. I just want to let the listeners know that I'm not screwing you out of. Okay, I guess let's go swipe up. Swipe up. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, the first game, the first clue, EA's 2010 God of War clone. Oh, fuck. Now, are you gonna want to spin the wheel? Yeah, I'm gonna have to spin
1: the wheel. Okay. We'll <laughs> swipe up here. I've played zero video games in my life. <laughs> Ooh, that actually spins pretty good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you get. That's, they played some happy music, but you only get one more clue. Oh, that's not happy. Next clue. It's 2010, and we're rescuing a princess from Satan? So the first clue, EA's 2010 God of War clone, and it's 2010, and we're still rescuing a princess from Satan. Ah, fuck, man. I, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I have zero idea. <laughs> Dante's Inferno.
1: Fuck, of course. That was what I thought, but I didn't know it was EA. <laughs> I was like, there's no way EA would make something as revered as Dante's Inferno. Of course they wouldn't.
0: Number two. First clue. Released in 1997, this RPG was cited as one of the best games of all time. Now, do you want to spin the wheel? Yeah, let's spin the wheel. Just let everybody know I am showing Eric as I spin the wheel so he knows he's not getting screwed. Eric, you get all of the clues, my friend. Whoa, that's a fiver right there. Let's go. Uh, do you want me to read the next? I, at this point, I guess I'll just tell me if you need more clues. Okay. Do you need more? Do you need the, want the next one? I want the next one, yep. All cows go to hell. Uh, I believe that is going to be Diablo correct oh there okay. you go dude I'm not completely stupid <laughs> all right you are officially oh this is your first time uh, first yeah you guys didn't have a game when you guys came on the first time yeah because it, it was me and tom and that wouldn't be fair to have it to have two mind knowledges combined number three sixth game in a long running series from neversoft eric would you like to spin the wheel Sixth
1: game in a long running series from Neversoft. Yeah, let's spin it. I think Yeah, let's spin it. I, I might have an idea, but very be safe and sorry. I'm not a risk taker. Gimme give gimme give that blue. Come on. Yep, there it is.
0: Is that five All again? All Dude. four? Dude, <laughs> luck of the Irish out here. Alright. Next clue. Boston to Barcelona. To Berlin, Bangkok, Australia, New Orleans, hell? <laughs> uh, give me one more. Give me one more. I think I know it, but give me one more. I'd be in hell too if I had to hang out with Bam Margera. Oh, fuck. It's not what I thought it was. Give me one more.
1: I'm debating between two. I just don't remember. Watch me kickflip over this ribcage. Uh, would that perchance be Tony Hawk's Underground Two? You nailed it. Okay, I was debating between one and two because I know there were two of them, and I was like, "What was there?" Wh-? Two yeah. is the one where you specifically skate in hell, I guess. Yeah, um, I actually own sure. both of those. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Not not quite the uh, pinnacle. That was the
0: number two game of all time, Tony Hawk's Pro <laughs> Skater Two, but. Uh, All right. Number four. One of the first games to make Greek myth fashionable in games. Now, of course, the question is, do you want to spin the wheel? One of the first games to make Greek myth fashionable in games.
1: I always tend to overthink this because, uh, now fuck it. You got to take risks to win big, right? I'm going to say God of War. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) Dude, 30 extra points. Whew. Number five. This is the best-selling video game of all time. Of all
1: time, of all time, best-selling video game of all time. I'm gonna have to spin the wheel. Alrighty. Of all time. Get off that red. Get off that red.
0: Now you get two more. Okay. Okay. More. Cool. I think you should get this. The next clue is it has its own annual convention.
1: It's the best-selling game of all time. It has its own annual convention. All right, give
0: me the last one. I'm blanking hard. It is a game made for children, created by a piece of shit. <laughs> I was
1: actually thinking of a different one, but uh, that's kind of... <laughs> honestly, was, would that be... I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't the third clue. It's got to be Minecraft, right? You are correct. Okay. <laughs> um, I could. I was thinking for whatever reason when you said best selling game of all time, I immediately thought GTA 5. and I was like, you don't go to hell in that, but I'm not sure because it's been a while. <laughs> so, no, I think that's a Saints um, Row game, if I remember correctly. Uh, the Saints Row Four had a hell specific DLC. So. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I was like, yes. yeah, I think one of those um, games you go to hell at some point. Yeah. It, yeah. The f- Notch. Yeah, he said. He's a piece of work.
0: <laughs> That's putting it nicely. Uh, next one. This was the first real competitor to Resident Evil. This is something I like I have expressed
1: this to you before is I don't know much about anything Resident Evil. <laughs> I'm gonna have to spin the wheel. Alrighty. Come on, wheel. Be good to me.
0: The dose Yes, sir. Okay, cool This game's creator left with the franchise after this first game.: Yeah,
1: I don't know. This is next the next one.
0: This is the first 3D third person horror game.: The first 3d third person horror game fully th- I should say fully three 3D. 3D.
1: Um, I'm gonna take like, a stab in the dark here i don't know horror is one of my least known genres i was gonna Uh, say you're
0: not quite the fan uh it's
1: not the yeah i just i haven't had much exposure to it um i'm gonna go silent hill yeah yes oh yes (laughs) you're right oh (laughs) um yeah i again i've never played silent hill i've heard great things i just you know yeah uh resident evil and kojima are two really big blind spots in my gaming history unfortunately well
0: you're not gonna like number eight but <laughs> first we have to get to number seven this is one of the most widely available games ever made i know what games i don't
1: know what games you're hell i'm gonna spin the wheel gotcha spin that wheel baby big money no whammies let's go get that get that green uh, there you go oh, barely all right. It's actually a very effective visual wheel, I got to say.
0: Yeah, I was like, is, is there some way? I was, I was thinking about like rolling dice, and I was like, that's boring. <laughs> okay, so you get three more clues. Uh, so this game actually has tie, ties to my home state. It was actually first released on an FTP server here at the University of Wisconsin. Okay. Okay, next one. The developer released the source code themselves. So that players can mess around with it freely. Hey, give me the last one. This was the last time Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be a villain in this game's movie adaptation. Oh. Um. Villain in this game's movie adaptation.
2: <laughs>
1: The only thing I'd know of Dwayne Rock Johnson being a villain is that very bad CGI version of him at the end of Mummy 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is a a terrifying nightmare. Um, it's interesting
0: cuz he doesn't really play technically fast and furious, but like he becomes a good guy though. He's like
1: anti-hero kind of. Yeah.
0: Or I guess like a pre- i don't
1: know i i i have no idea i'm gonna have to say doom yeah oh shit. that's the only thing i knew, video game <laughs> that i knew when rock johnson was
0: in Holy i know shit. that movie is terrible <laughs> so let me tally up your points here oh my gosh you have taken fifth place hell yes <laughs> you're at 80 points okay currently oh i never went down the leaderboard I know you're not taking a lot of chances here, Eric. No pressure. If you forego the wheel and are able to nail these, you can easily shoot up to first place. I'm just... Interesting. Just putting that out there. You've only got three left here. Nice. So, really weigh your options. Number eight. This is the one I foreshadowed, right? Oh, God. <laughs> the game that was originally Resident Evil 4. The game that was originally Resident Evil 4. Think back to a certain podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure this was actually another question or another game that I put on another, another episode of mine where I quiz somebody right but it's it's literally and you have to think about this from my perspective it's like you're going
1: crazy trying to understand the plot I know. Of resident evil playing the games through and i've never played any of them trying to listen to you explain the plot to me <laughs> so that's that's basically what i'm thinking in my head and it is um uh, yeah i gotta i gotta spin i have no okay. idea okay got him oh,
2: you
0: got him, <laughs> you got him. <laughs> it was right there dude it was right on the edge <laughs> next clue started as an edgelord's dream but the series has turned a corner into a respectable franchise after six games the main character was originally named tony I have no idea. Originally, the game was called Carnival with a K, which also still appears in the game, but as an airplane. (laughs) Last clue.
1: Kick demon ass, but in style. The only thing that's coming to mind is Devil May Cry. Yeah. Oh, shit. (laughs) Tom would actually be furious with me if I missed that question. So <laughs> he's actually, he's probably
0: going to listen to this and hear all these questions and think I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> all right, you are at 90 points right now. You can, if you get these right, calculated risks here, you can get one fifty and take the lead. No pressure. Number nine. This game is one of the most influential animation styles in gaming.
1: It's one of the most influential animation styles in gaming, and you go to hell. I know, I gotta spin the wheel. I don't know, I have no idea. Okay.
2: Oops. Come on. Three. you've been doing right. pretty good dude, with these
1: d- dude your
0: wheel your spinning skills in the wheel have been very generous <laughs> to me tonight <laughs> um the game was in the metaverse in development hell for over seven years and keep them coming never make a deal with the devil
1: oh damn it that makes me mad because it's Cuphead. Yep. Fuck. yep i should have known that
0: Yeah, I was like, I feel like the first clue, Bite, give it away, but also...
1: I tend to overthink things, so I try to think, like, historically, like, what games have been historically... Well, of course, of course, Cuphead, yeah, Yeah. of
0: course. Oh, man. All right, you're tied for third place right now. Last one. This is a previous episode of my podcast where (laughs) Hell was actually brought to Earth. Man, I, I
1: have listened to a lot of your episodes. <laughs> I was actually brought to Earth and all the episodes that you put out and just running through them in my head. Yeah, I'm going to have to spin. Okay. Let's go. Come on. Get off that red. Get off that red.
0: Oh, oh bitch. Fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the second clue here. If you really think back to this episode trying to this awful battle system was later revised in the saga series
1: okay 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 which one was that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm i seem to remember you being quite upset about it in final fantasy 2 right
2: yeah that's it yeah, okay that's the, yeah. I like i was like which final
1: <laughs> fantasy was it yeah yeah i remember
0: that that battle system is <laughs> all right <laughs> quite something <laughs> So with that, Eric, for your first showing, not bad. You've taken third place with a total of 110 points, knocking Dre and Chase down for a battle between fourth place. So, yeah, top three. Got Ryan at 140, Chris at 118, and you at 110. If only I'd known. I didn't know Dante's
1: Inferno was made by EA. I didn't didn't think EA was capable of making something that mattered, so... Well, the wheel also gave you a
0: very terrible spin for <laughs> for showing there.
1: The wheel was pretty generous, and your spinning skills were pretty good, so I, I can't be mad about that.
0: You know what? I I don't think this will be the last time the wheel of misfortune will show up on this show. I think wheel of
1: misfortune is good game. That that was solid. Yeah. So how do you I, feel? I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. That was a lot of fun. Good. You were
0: so anxious about the running up to this.
1: I was just afraid of being outed as a as a not video game podcaster. So. <laughs> We're at least a third place video game podcaster. Right. Uh, I can take that. I'll, I'll, if you send me like a little plastic trophy, that would be great. I would
0: love that. So uh, you didn't make it that far. This has been the Wheel of Misfortune. <laughs> closing arguments for the game yeah. um, Eric I, mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious from the conversation we've been having the past two hours would you recommend Hades I would give it uh yeah I would highly highly
1: recommend it I know it's not officially on on your scale but it's I just feel like if it's especially your first time playing a roguelike it's a great first one to pick up it's everything about it the music the graphics the gameplay the characters everything is is I Except for the part in, you know, Elysium, like we said, fighting the Minotaur, that whole BS. The game is amazingly well balanced. It's so much fun to play. Like I said, it's got that civilization factor. Where it's just like one more run. I got to do one more. I got to see what happens. I got to see if I can get a little bit further and you just lose track of time. And especially in a, a day and age where I find myself forcing myself to to finish games that I've started. This is just a game that you can play easily and have fun highly recommend highly recommend um and like i said you can pick it up pretty much anywhere wherever your prerogative is i love playing it on the switch it's a great game to play on the go but it's also looks very beautiful on TVs on next gen consoles so yeah highly recommend it's on game pass
0: like it's, it's a no-brainer just honestly it's actually a crime that this game is even on game pass because you should just go buy it uh, like buy it twice. I mean, I fucking bought it twice.
1: For so. Super I would definitely buy it, and it, the fact that it's on Game Pass, it's. I haven't looked what's on Game Pass lately, but it's probably one of the best games on Game Pass right
0: now, hands down. Easily, you will get tons of playtime out of this game. Right? Yeah i I don't know what anybody else would expect me to say. Like, of course, I'm going to recommend Hades. It was my favorite game last year, and coming back to it for the show, that certainly hasn't changed. It's just as much fun to come back to. Um it
1: it's really crazy to think about how we've gotten two incredible like roguelike games in such a short time window of another with Hades and Returnal being yeah. You know, like obviously Returnal is going to be one is if not the best game this year, one of the best games this year, and Hades last year it's it's insane.
0: <laughs> I've been into roguelikes for the past 5 years or so and Dead Cells is a very very good game but it does not have that replayability factor to it as Returnal or Hades. And I think Hades is just, they talk about game feel, and it just feels really, really good to play. Zagreus moves uh, extremely quick. The button response is, at least for the PS5, snappy as hell. There's obviously people are going to have some issues on the Switch if their Joy-Cons are busted. That's think so really That is not a fault to the game, though. That's no. a hardware fault, you know? what happens when they go in the recycling bin and make their consoles out of old whatever they have lying around yeah yeah <laughs> you know the story itself it's not like i said it's not a unique story but it is strong and considering how well written how real well written zagreus is as like a character i feel like i can totally buy into his motivations and totally understand where he's coming from and as far as all the other characters go all their sides all that side story is very well written too you know, this is easily one of Supergiant's most well-casted games as far as voice talent goes. Um, talked a lot about the music. Uh, it not only suits carving your way out of hell, you know, especially for me being like into the heavier tracks myself. Uh, that's something that I took a very personal liking to. Um, but I feel like it really just matches the tone and atmosphere of the game really well, especially especially the ballady parts. You know, there's so many options, weapons, perks. The game is, like you said, it's a very good place to start if you're going to get into a roguelike. It's very fair. In a way, it's a little bit forgiving as well. It's, it's not the hellscape of RNG that Returnal is. <laughs> um, this is, um, this is a game that's really easily accessible to pretty much anybody. And we didn't even talk about God Mode, which ostensibly, Helps you throughout your runs. I don't. So I'll admit I used for my PS5 game. I turned God mode on because I wanted to experience as much of the game as possible before having to talk about it on the show. Mm hmm. And I, I never experienced that either, but I think that's great that you have
1: this option for people that do really want to experience the story because that's an important part of playing a mm-hmm. game for them, but maybe just don't quite have the skill to to beat this game on, on their own. And that's that's fine. It's not a detriment to anybody. And right. I think anybody that complains about that can just go like fuck off basically for back of a better term. Like,
0: I mean, Ryan and I just got done talking about it with Returnal because there's so much discourse about the difficulty of that game. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's nice. It's nice that Supergiant puts something like this in their game so that it can be played by mm-hmm. pretty much anybody that was their prerogative. They put it in there and mm-hmm. it's there if you want it, you know? And
1: I don't think anybody should be like, that's something they did. that's great. But obviously other people, like I wouldn't want them to, how do I say this? Like if, it shouldn't be something that people should be forced to be put in like if you want to make your game hard and that's the whole premise of your game that's perfectly fine put it in there like i'm not asking dark souls to put an easy mode in so that i can play and (laughs) experience dark souls because that is the draw of that game but you know i I, it's it's a nice touch it's definitely a nice touch because different people experience different games at different levels so
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: go go play hades yeah, it's if it, it, when when this decade is looked
0: back on in 10 years, I think Hades will be one of the games that's remembered very fondly. So it's one of those games where as soon as Supergiant says that they're working on something new, people are going to pay attention.
1: Oh, yeah. Hands down. If they if people didn't know who they
0: were before, they know now. Absolutely. Yeah. Eric, I want to just thank you for coming on again, man. It's it's been this episode has been a long time coming. <laughs> this is one of the it's one of those other episodes I think i planned out probably like earlier in the spring with you to, have I to think come like on in april yeah we were like
1: oh come on in october and i was like i couldn't wait for
0: yeah so for this. this is this has been a long time coming of course thanks for coming on again after you know whatever the hell we recorded a couple months back <laughs> it was my pleasure man. <laughs> i'm glad yes. it was enjoyable enough for you to want to come back on i would come back on
1: anytime and like i said i i don't have the breath of older game experience like you so i knew if i was going to come on i had to yeah, sure. to do a more modern game. And that's fine. It's, it, it was it was fun. Like you said, you were one of the first people I connected with when I started podcasting. So to, to come on the show was a surreal experience and talk about, talk about a game that I love. So thank
0: you so much. I, oh yeah, no that. problem, dude. You've always got a guest spot here. So some people probably already know this already, but you've got a podcast of your own. So let people know where they can, uh, find you. Yeah. So I host, uh, with my friend Tom, we host the side
1: questing podcast, which, you know, main quest side questing podcast. It's a nice, nice little one, two punch. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. So we host that. And I don't really have a well formatted or structured show. Tom and I just kind of talk about whatever topics we feel like talking about on a week to week basis, whether that's the news things that have happened games we've been playing specific topics deep dives into a little bit more genre industry specific things that are going on it just it just kind of depends week to week what what we feel like talking about uh, i've been helming the show solo for a few weeks just because tom has been hit pretty hard by life stuff but you can find us on spotify apple google podcasts all the anywhere you can find podcasts honestly and if you don't find me somewhere and you would rather listen to, like, some obscure Russian podcasting site, I'll upload it there, too. I don't know. Although they've probably already stolen my RSS feed, so... I was going to say, they probably there. got you, yeah. like, yeah, some Soviet dude doing voiceover of you guys. And, yeah, we just talk about random stuff. At least, at least once an episode, we will mention either Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts. That's just an inevitability. And you can find me pretty much... All over the internet. Uh, my personal Twitter is at the one true sire. You can find the podcast on Twitter at quests Tom is also on Twitter uh, at RedRival26. I'd uh, like to pl- plug him as well. He has he streams on Twitch and man, Tom streams just about everything and anything from Bloodborne to Persona to Smash to overwatched every everything that you can think of tom plays um so you can find him at twitch.tv forward slash red rival 26 unfortunately not in hot tubs but i'm (laughs) i'm working on getting him to do that so maybe if we hit like a certain subscriber number we can get like a tom hot tub stream if we We'll have to see about that, though. And then you can always email me uh, sidequestingpodcast at gmail.com for like whatever. I guess if you want to call in and say the show sucks or email in that, that's great. I'm just happy to get mail. So you probably (laughs) Um, won't have to say that. But and then Instagram is where I'm the most uh, active. I kind of do all my shout outs and talk to a bunch of people like like Keith here uh, on Instagram sidequestingpodcast and just post little video snippets or just some of my my massive Funko collection over here. Just stuff like that. So, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. If, if you enjoyed this, come over, listen to SideQuesting Podcast and, you know, tell me it's good
0: or bad or whatever, whatever you want to say about it. So <laughs> as for me, all the links are in the show notes. I feel like I'm a robot when I open and close my show. Uh, specifically, I guess, make sure to check out the Instagram account. It's the main quest on Instagram. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me. It's also the best way to see what's coming up on the show. Uh, so also make sure to check out the red bubble store links in the description as well any donations are of course welcome and insanely appreciated i appreciate everybody who has supported the show in some way uh thus far it's really fucking cool it really means a lot to me it's it's amazing it's amazing that you guys would buy something that i made um it's really weird um <laughs> Dude, when I go out with my friends and they like know I have a podcast, they always go up to random people and they're like, hey, you know, my friend's got a podcast. Right? Yeah, I'm, stop like, shut, telling I'm them. like, shut the
2: fuck up. <laughs>
1: That's the same thing with my fiance, too. When we go out and uh, I don't tell. I, I've been trying to build this podcast from like not relying on family or friends to listen. So whenever she's like, Oh yeah, like Erica's working on the podcast and they're like, what? And I'm like, don't,
0: I don't tell anybody for a reason. Let me be ashamed. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's not like I'm like not proud of the podcast, but at the, like, it's like one of those things where it should be just like, Oh yeah, this might be like a good moment to like talk to somebody and maybe have like a future guest or something, but instead I'll just like go away. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't want to talk about this in person. Let me talk about it from the safety of my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um what's going on with my show as always it's on to the next game right um pretty sure at this point when is this coming out man it's october <laughs> <laughs> dude time's flying so this is coming out in november star tropics will be up next Ooh. so join me next time as i chat it up with more npcs than i'm comfortable with as if it's like a bad zelda or dragon quest clone that. I'll talk to you guys later. Take care of yourselves. The only wheel game not hosted by Pat Sajak. And I'm no Vanna White. I apologize. She, she still looks damn good for being like 85 years old or how the fuck yeah. old cool she is. I think they just feed her the souls of the contestants that lose. So
1: <laughs> that's, that's the only way she can remain that She just that eats young. them whole. <laughs> you go off camera.
0: Just her entire jaw just drops down to the dangerous. ground and they just walk in. <laughs> It's like, it's like the, it's like the bird mouth in super Mario brothers too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Why do you think I've never met anybody that's (laughs) played wheel of fortune and lost? That's because they, you know, just meet a grisly end.
0: Oh, Hey, did you, um, did you watch that deep throat video I sent you?
2: (laughs) I have have no
0: idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Anyway.